Holman, welcome to the Shed Quarters. It is episode number <clears throat> 700. Oh, that just blew my headset You're off. You're welcome. Stop saying stupid things. Although my buddy Sam coined that, you so. don't like the shit. Sam, Sam listens, so I don't. I don't want. I don't want to upset. No, <laughs> it's it's kind of like, like okay, it's like this. You came out of your mom's womb, and you were named Jay, and then you got renamed Lightning. Like that's not good for anybody. And then I was no dog for a minute, and then tweeter, and then I came <laughs> then back, to, back lightning. to lightning. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we were shed quarters last week. We're going back to pod shed this week. Okay. That's how that's going to mm-hmm. work. All right. I have some updates for you. Uh-huh. By the way, what is, this is episode seventeen of uh, season two. Yeah. All right. Truck show podcast. Have we the really number, done this for seventeen weeks? Yeah. Let me let me get this out. The number one truck podcast in the world. Did you just say let so, me get this out? Yeah. Well, because you're afraid you're going to lose your train of thought, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I was. See, there's people listening. They're like, wow, that was really rude of him. But I, I realized you're not being rude. I realize you actually don't possess the faculties to finish a thought if I uh, if I jump in. What are we talking about? <laughs> so I want you to see my new Instagram account. Uh-huh. Check this out. You like all the pictures oh, of geez. me and my, Anoth- and my family? Uh, another one? Mm. What happened to Wreck-It Wheels? Wait Wreck-It a minute. Rims. Wait a minute. Scroll down. The other way. Oh, this is funny. Because this is actually not you. <laughs> That's Juan Hernandez. Yeah. Five, 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 yeah, or whatever but, the hell it is. But it's, it's Ju-Hernandez. Ju- it's J-O-Hernandez. It's spelled really weird. I So our friend Ben at 406 Garage said, hey, uh, <laughs> I don't you? know. Is this you? And I said, hey, how did you find well, that? Hey, this is what, how long has it been up? I don't know. Okay, so the but fir- they have right. four hundred ninety six followers. Say, Although, no, I, I no look- they don't. Okay, December twenty fourth is when it started. That's your first post. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jay Hernandez. Um, yeah. But check this out. Um, this is what I can't understand. You have six hundred and seventy four followers now, which is pretty big, and you're following one hundred ninety six people. But beyond all that, it's actually has all of your own pictures. Yes, but why? I don't understand so this. So I looked at the 674 people that are following this account, uh-huh. and they're all bots. They're all other people that look exactly like this. They're all tons of faces of the same person. But this is what's weird, is normally they'll just do six, or excuse me, four rows, so that you're below the fold, there's nothing there. Mm-hmm. That's usually how I can tell a fake account, well, one of the many ways, that and this says, hi, dear, or whatever, and has a dude's name for a girl and weird sure. misspellings, but... Usually they don't ha- they don't go through the effort to have that many photos of somebody. Well, again, if you look at all the people that are following, they're oh, all yeah. they're all fake. I want to see. Look at them all. They're all they're all the Asian chicks that are fake. Are you telling me Divine Technologies is not real? Nope, they're no, not not real. <laughs> I told you, it's they're all bots. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's all from the Bali bot. So form. they've all. Oh, Elon Musk follows you. <laughs> I don't think so. That's uh, the fake eight Elon. zero one seven four. Yeah, anyway, exactly. <laughs> so they're all na- everything is like Shanine Williams seven six zero four. Yeah, Julia oh one six two three five nine. Or yeah, these this is so it's weird. I have my been... entire DM box of the of the ones that they flag. Yeah, is like hundreds of those, which is weird. So. I haven't been hacked. Like they didn't hack my account. They, no, just, they just went. Stole in. Your stuff. They stole all of my content, but yeah. not the photos of like me at Coachella this this last weekend. Yeah, they took just headshots. Right, like me, me and my kid, whatever. So it looks like a. They actually did a nice job of curation. It right, almost has as many <laughs> followers as you do on your main account. <laughs> no, which is I'm really gonna, impressive. I think I have over six thousand. What are you at now? Uh, I think. Did you beat me? Because you think were getting so. really close. I think so. Let's look. Uh, I gotta look. Let's see what I'm at here. You tell me what you're at. But I asked first. All right, I'm at six thousand eighty-three. I'm at 6,131. Oh, you smoked me. Look at that. Good job. Good for you. 
Yeah, I've been. Uh, not, I told you, not not great at the gram lately. But uh, you know, I I think I just. It's funny. I just fired up the account right now and uh-huh. looked at it, and I was about to say six thousand. 87 and it dropped four people to 6,083. I was like, oh, they're all bots. Don't feel uh, bad. Pissed off some people here. Nah, it was all bots. So I I wanted to celebrate a few things with you really quick here, Mr. Holman. Uh, First thing is, I wanted to show you a gift that was given to me. Okay. Check out this hoodie. Is this not the coolest hoodie you've ever seen? That's cool. Rock solid motorsports from uh, Chattanooga, That's right. Yep. How thick is that thing? Look at at it. It's freaking awesome. That's really nice. And uh, our buddies out there at uh, Tom's 4x4 Superstore sent me this hoodie. Because remember, Tom's and Rock Solid are part of the same company. Uh So they're the guys that are doing the uh, the V8 swaps and the Jeeps and whatnot. That's cool. So I A little thank you for having them on the show. Absolutely. Dude, I love their logo. Dude, that's cool. It's a, it looks like an it? old high school or baseball like a tiger sports mascot, logo. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a Nuga. And, and the that's the uh, the font on Nuga, Tennessee, is like an old circus tent font, like all those posters you'd see back in like the Barnum and Bailey's days or something like that. It's, I just it's cool. could not love this more. So thank you very much to uh, Rock Solid Motorsports and Tom's Four x Four Superstore out there in Nuga, Tennessee, and also Holman. Yep, they have given us our inaugural stickers to apply onto the wall. So are we, is that a thing? I, I know it's I mentioned it to you. It's officially or, now a thing, yes. All right, so we've got a little triangle up at the top of the, uh, at the top of the pod shed. Where you say, what is this, the eve up there? Yeah, so we're going to put stickers up there for people who have been on the show. I think I'm going to put, so it's naked right now. I've got a whole grip of stickers. Well, here, here, let's start it with a yeah. Churchill podcast sticker. All I'm right. going to peel it off right here for you. Right. I'm yeah. going to get off the right. backing. And I'm going to put it, hold on, i got to move here. Right. I'm going to put the truck show one on the steer horns. This is Holman uh, falling off a chair and lightning finishing the show solo. No, you'd still hear me in the background. Okay. Be on the floor. <laughs> Just in agony? Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. I'm going up on the spinny chair. Okay. Oh, I'm seeing butt crack. That's yep. not good. Here yep. we go. All I right. saw yours earlier, so. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm good at that. All right. Here we go. All right, he's applying the Truck Show Podcast sticker to the steer horns. That looks beautiful. Nope, it's too, oh, too high. Oh, what have you done? Too high. Too yep, high. angle it down so the guests in the room can exactly, see. Perfect. Exactly. There you go. There it is. All right. On the wall of the All right, now that we got that out of the way, you've got some audio you want to play. But before that, I want to let everyone know that we have a great show lined up for you. We made a trek up to Schmillwood. Oh, I guess I can say it now, right? Willwood Engineering. Engineering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was thinking it was the last episode we said Schmillwood Engineering. No, no, no. You said that. I said Willwood because obviously you didn't understand that you swap out the first letter of each syllable. I did understand, and yet it was ridiculous. Willwood. Right. So anyway, we went up to Willwood in Willwood. Camarillo. I get it. Okay. Willwood, yep, in Camarillo, California. And they are one of the... Tay Gillis. Yes. Still get it. Still not funny. Han Schulman. <laughs> Willwood. Yes. Okay, just check it. All right, so we got that uh, interview that actually... We don't do too many tours, but this is not one of Not recently. Them no, not recently. But first, I think, Holman, you had some audio of you in the desert? All right, so uh, I guess this will be the uh, the perfect opportunity to uh, let you guys know that our friends over at OnX Off-Road have uh, rejoined the podcast, and they'll be uh, hanging out with us for a while. No way. And if you uh, go to, basically, YouTube to the OnX Off-Road channel, there was recently a, uh, a video done on MDHCA with uh, our good friend, Desert Explorer! Billy Creech. Billy Creech, Desert Explorer! Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, the MDHCA is the Mojave Desert Heritage and Cultural Association, and that's home of the Mojave Road. 
and the East Mojave Heritage Trail, also known as the EMHT, which is one of the most badass trails in the United States, 733 miles through the Mojave Desert. Just uh, amazing. So our friends over at Onyx, uh, to give back to the community, they've been doing these like small feature films that are, you know, 15 minutes long or something like that. We don't have that kind of time. And they did one called Mojave Roads, Preserving the Unknown. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see some cameos in there. And uh, I would like to play uh, just a short clip for you. These places eventually sprout communities. Aggregates of people who, once lured there, couldn't imagine a life lived outside their proximity. The desert is that place where nobody wants to go. And you just can't imagine that people or things or anything survives out here. But at the right moment, like literally during this interview, where it's 79 degrees with a breeze as the sun's setting, and you look around and you actually see purple mountains and puffy white clouds, and the world is calm and you can hear wildlife around you. And and the fact that you can experience and see history and experience history and live it, it's, it's everything that I love in one giant sandbox. So there you have it. That is a uh, little cameo by yours truly on uh, Mojave Roads, Preserving the Unknown. Again, you can find that on YouTube on the Onyx Off-Road channel. And what's interesting is uh, Onyx Dude, has... by the way, this is shot beautifully. Oh, no, it's amazing. The cinematography on it is is unbelievable. Onyx has about 10,000 subscribers and 55,000 views as of uh, this right now. So uh, I Look think... at you. Look at Holman getting out there. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So uh, if you guys want to check that out. Uh, but like I said, uh, Onyx is going to uh, sponsor the show for... Uh, the next quarter. So we're happy to have them back. And since the last time they came on, we're going to have uh, one of the guys from Onyx uh, who's been on before is going to return to do an interview and talk about all the changes that they've made. But there's a lot of great stuff. So what do they have going on? What's new over at Onyx? As you guys know, I love Onyx. I use it for all my personal stuff, all my routing and being prepared is... Can I, I'm trying to keep button in on you. No, you're not. No, I'm not. But I used this when I went out to the Mojave Desert when I went to Tacopa. Yep. And it was freaking awesome. Well, that was my first time. That like- was a while ago. It's better now. Really? It's better now. So, obviously, when you want to hit the backcountry, it's all about having the right tools. So, the Onyx off road map is the best for finding off road trails, off grid camping. Uh, you can do offline maps. So, you still have it when there's not a cell signal. It's a fully functional app, even when you don't have cell service. And we all know that's where the best adventures start. Onyx is intuitive to use. It'll help you find open trails with just a tap of the map. And of course, uh, there's the new features I was talking about. My favorite is Route Builder. You can easily snap together multiple trails, build a route quickly and easily, then share the route or a series of markups with your whole crew. So I can, my last few trips, I built it on my laptop. I sent it to everybody who's going on the trip and it shows up on my iPad. That's cool. It was so really on, cool. when I went out there, I built it on my laptop and transferred it. Mm-hmm. It was rad as I could, I, watched, I used it on CarPlay. Yeah. Like the Onyx app is still on my truck right now. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's cool. A, it's one swipe to the to the right. So uh, Route Builder is a new game-changing in-app feature or on your browser. A simple way to draw up and plan a trip. You can share it with your friends, see your line to follow when you're on the trail. And uh, it was in, built entirely in-house by off-roaders and people who love off-roading who work for Onyx. They're the real deal up there. You can draw a line that snaps trails with your mouse or finger. It'll provide live feedback about paths that could connect. So let's say you're looking at a map and you've got two different trails and you want to go from one trail to the other, but there's no connective tissue, right? There's mm. no marked route. 
it'll show you where there's a trail that you can traverse and connect really? them for you. Yeah. And you can, again, you draw with your finger or you can do snap to grid where you can, you know, drag the line around. It'll snap yeah, to yeah, the trails yeah. on the map. Anyway, it's available to both uh, premium and elite members. So head on over to the App Store, uh, whether it's uh, Android or Apple. You want to download Onyx Off-Road. I feel like we've grown with the product. Like, it's it's way better now than it used to be. It was a great <laughs> idea. It's gotten better and we haven't. Well, we haven't. But <laughs> it, it started out as a really good idea. And I'm telling you, I kept sticking with it, even when it was pretty bare bones in the beginning, the first time the guys came on. Now it's this fully fledged app. I'm so happy to be in the ecosystem, and I really appreciate them stepping up and. I mean, and can, I, can, I, can I say this? It does look like something that Apple built. And that, that's beautiful. That's, that's meant as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's it beautiful. look. It is just seamless the way it integrated with uh, CarPlay. And I'd say the other thing about Onyx, there's a lot of apps out there. Um, this was built for off-roaders from the ground up. It wasn't started from a different type of you know mapping deal and kind of shoehorned into it. Because a lot of that, yeah, they'll go. There's in, like hiking maps. They'll synchronize with like Google Maps or whatever. Or, whatever. or, or, they, or there's yeah. hiking maps out there or whatever. This was made for the off-roader from the beginning. So, and by the way, it's not just desert. This is all of U.S., Canada, Baja, yeah. Baja. So it's not just don't because we're on the West Coast. Don't think like oh, it's just for the desert. No, no, no. this is all freaking over. And when you uh, get the premium subscription, uh, you can also have access to uh, property owners. So when you're out exploring, you know, can I camp here? My in Forest Service BLM land, or am I some dude's property is going to uh, chase me out of the shotgun about one a.m. So uh, Onyx is uh, is great for adventure, also great for safety. Uh, so head on over to uh, onyxoffroad.com. Hey, you know where else I used Onyx? Um, can I take a guess? Yeah. In your Nissan Titan? Uh, no, but when I led the uh, Nissan Frontier trip across the uh, desert, ah. I did all my mapping and planning with Onyx. And uh, if you want to go on an adventure, there are very few adventure partners as good and reliable as the Nissan Frontier Pro 4X. And uh, you guys have been seeing them all over. How do I know? Because we have hundreds of emails <laughs> and lightning ran out of stickers for our hashtag Frontier Spotting campaign. I should have more stickers coming in today as we're recording. By the time you're hearing this, I have more stickers. So keep the Frontier Spotting going. Start off kind of a joke. I didn't know if you guys would do it. Man, freaking A. So what you're doing is you're taking a photograph of a Nissan Frontier from the seat of your truck. And you're sending that photo to us at truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. So you can get into a base model Frontier King Cab S for uh, $29,370. That's a 4 by 2 But if you've been in the Nissan stuff, their base models don't feel like base models. They're they're really nice. Right. And, of course, if you want to get into a uh, a nice Pro 4X Crew Cab 4x4, what do you think the base model of a Pro 4X Crew Cab 4x4 is? Okay. 40500 So you can get into a Frontier Crew Cab Pro 4X 4x4, 38900 What? Bill Steins, you rear locker, full skid plates. You're lying right to stuff. my face. And if you don't need the off-road package, but you still need four-wheel drive, get into a uh, Frontier Crew Cab SV 4x4, 36470. There's not a lot of trucks on the market that are that well-equipped for under forty grand. you are a lying liar who lies. Nope, it's all true. And of course, if you need a bigger truck, you can uh, get the Nissan Titan or the Nissan Titan XD. They've got the industry-leading warranty, five-year, 100,000 miles. And I've got one in the driveway right now still. Yeah, I know. I'm jealous. I've been enjoying that truck quite yep. a bit. Yep, it's, I'm not. It's been doing airport runs, been towing stuff around. Mm-hmm. All right, well, you can uh, find out which Nissan is right for you at your local dealer or NissanUSA.com. If you have a Ram EcoDiesel, a Jeep EcoDiesel, or maybe a Duramax 6.6 liter diesel, and you're looking for more power so you can pull the grade with your fifth wheel and not have to downshift, you're looking for a Banks Derringer inline tuner. 
It's safe, effective, and best of all, it is warranty-friendly. And by that I mean, when you remove the Derringer tuner, it does not leave a trace. Your dealer ain't gonna know it was ever there. Go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make, and model to find the Derringer tuner that will add power safely to your truck. And if you got some clapped out, leaky old shocks on your ride, you want to head over to uh, BillsteinUS.com where you can find the shocks that will uh, make your truck feel brand new again. It's amazing how much shocks can actually contribute to the ride quality. It, like, I don't think... They are the ride quality. I, I guess so. I think people just don't... I know my friends, they just assume shocks are shocks. A lot of just regular people. But nope. my God, they're transformative. Uh, monotubes. Designed engineered the originators bill stein so every monotube shock out there which is the gold standard in suspension that all came from bill stein bill stein's been around for 150 years if you can believe that dang and bill stein just announced a brand new partnership with jeep performance parts so if you uh get one of their jpp lift kits for the jl or the jt the shocks are now custom tuned 46 millimeter remote reservoirs so dang right there uh, quite, a, quite an endorsement by the way well aev and now the 20th anniversary edition of the wrangler with the level two package from aev also, Bill Stein shocks on it. And then they've got a bunch of stuff in the aftermarket for you, too. They've got their own one-inch JL uh, lift kit with everything you need from Bill Stein's. They can run 35s, especially on vehicles that aren't Rubicons to start with. Mm-hmm. They've got a uh, new 8112 DSA Plus 60-millimeter remote reservoir with dual-speed compression damping adjusters and adjustable jounce cutoffs, which is basically internal hydraulic bump stop right. for a bunch of applications. And then they're also covering CUVs, Subaru Crosstrex, Jeep Renegades, and they also have a killer new uh, look with their UTV lineup. Those are the ones we saw at SEMA. Those are th- jewelry. Oh, jewelry. You should have seen the ones at Moab. It's, it's what? They're further along now? No. Oh, dude, they're Not sick. possible. They nope. are sick. Not possible. It's possible, Lightning. It's possible. Okay, I'll buy in. <laughs> BillsteinUS.com. <laughs> the Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. We're going to answer what the truck. Because truck rides with truck show we have the lifted we have the lowered and everything in between we'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline the truck show the truck show the truck show it's the truck show with your hosts lightning and Holman. Sing along with us won't you i the think truck they do. show don't you think they do i think so yeah I they should we sing along with it. We've been doing it for almost, what, five and a half years and 280 episodes Isn't or something? Isn't it amazing? I think we've only missed one week. Maybe two. Two weeks yeah, out two, of and five they, And they were holiday years. weeks, too, or something like that. People ask us, like, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. What yeah, do I need don't. to know? I go, can you do it every week <laughs> yeah. for can, five years? And consistency. Like, yeah. They're like, well, I don't know. I go, then don't start. Dude, it's it's not easy. You know, it, it's, I think people think you talk into your phone and then you upload and you have a podcast. Dude, podcasts are hard. So you can go, for, look, you can go to B&H or freaking Guitar Center, buy the equipment. Big, That's no big deal. You can be a whole package for 300 bucks. You get your mic and a little board, whatever. That, so the audio quality is handled. Okay, it's not like when we started. Well, listen, there's only had, one we, Lightning out there. You can't buy him. I bought him already. Well, that's true. Yeah, there's not, there's only one. Thank God. There's not <laughs> none enough room for me. But it's the, that consistency, man. We're just pod idiots. fades. That's what they call it. Pod, pod fade. fade. Yeah. Well, yep. we're, we're what's wrong with us? Like, how do we keep doing it? I I don't know. I just I think we're programmed. Kind of like waking up in the morning. I'm like, oh, it's Tuesday night. Guess what I'm doing? I Lighting wish time. I had this for no. the gym. No, what it is? <laughs> oh, maybe we should do a gym slash podcast studio. 
we can work out <laughs> while we're doing the podcast, and we'll just kill two no, birds with one no stone. No one wants to hear us panting. As no, we're they don't. But talking it, about trucks. What's better for us? I think the only reason we do it is because you show up at my house, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's that day, isn't it? I mean, for me, it's still I go out of my way to come down here and do it and all that. Wait a minute, you just I made your life easier. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, it's like we're 15 minutes from your no, house. But, oh God, no, I'm not complaining. What I'm saying is, it it for me. I'm leaving work and I'm going somewhere to do something. Yes. And so I was like, it's a change of pace. It's actually kind of nice. Uh-huh. For you, you just like open the back door and walk outside. Well, now I do. Right. Yeah. Which is pretty great. <laughs> I, I know. But... All right. Listen, before we get too far down the road with, I know we want to get to our Willwood interview. Uh, we talked about it last week and then we didn't do it. You had some nitty gritty on some certain new truck that wasn't going to allow anyone to put aftermarket parts on it. So here's the thing is I borrowed a 2024 GMC Sierra Denali Ultimate 3500 HD. That had to be expensive because there are a lot of syllables in what you just said. Sticker was 99. I think the dude paid about a buck, whatever, 10 with tax and license and all that good stuff. Can you imagine his registration? Oh, yeah. Wow. I'm, ouch. Yeah, yeah. More expensive than my truck. Oh, yeah. It's wild. I, I've told you on the last episode or two ago, I, I said that it was it's a beautiful riding truck. They put more sound deadening in it. I was hitting the speed limiter. I was knocking against 98 miles an hour. On a close so, course. On a, in Mexico, on a close course. Mm-hmm. I got up to speed so much faster than I expected. So the 24 has got 25 horsepower more than the 23. They improved a few things, the tune, the cooling stack's a little better, things like that. But that is not really what interested me. I was excited about taking, you know, I work at banks, obviously, and I was excited about taking the intake, the exhaust, the Derringer tuner, the Ramair diff cover, the Pedal Monster, the iDash, moving it from the 23 right on over to the 24. Right, because it looks the same. Just what we call that a as a mild pro- freshening. We, we Mid- call that a product, a, a yeah. product extension. Mid cycle right? freshening, no problem. That's what we hoped for. Eh. GM smacked us upside the head yeah. and said, not so much, my friends out there in California. Mm. So the 24 Duramax went from one MAF sensor, yeah. mass airflow sensor, yeah. to two. So they launched that in the 22 and a half LM2. It might have been in the earlier 22 uh, LM2, which is the three liter. Mm-hmm. Regardless, it is now on the 24 Duramax with the, the big boy 6.6 liter. So going to two MAF sensors and a pressure sensor means that we couldn't just put an intake on the truck and nor can SNB, AFE, Volant, any of those brands. Because so how do you solve for that? Lightning? So we, oh, well, we're going to have an air mass control module that will intercept both MAF sensors and elegantly lie to the ECM. You know what's funny is they used to call that uh, bastard stacking or bastard boxes back in the day just for your engine. Now you have to do it for your intake. Do you know that Gale patented the air mass control module? And now they're using it against him for evil? No, he patented that module. So now all the new banks... This is not supposed to sound like a bank's commercial, but this is an interesting story. It happened on the last one, on on the 2020 Duramax. It had a single MAF sensor. Yeah. And we found that if we altered the diameter at the MAF sensor- Yeah, it threw everything at, off. At all. Yeah. Instant check engine light. So the competition had a big air box, but the tube that came out of the filter that the MAF sensor slides into, 
it looks like a, I don't know, a reed valve or something, right? Okay. That's what, a, if you've never seen a mouth sensor. Yeah. And the air goes by it and right. it measures the weight, the density of the air. And right. that's, how it, that's how the engine's control module determines how much fuel to add to the air. It needs to know the weight of the air. Okay, so we can't screw with that. How, how are we going to make a big ass tube yeah, that goes bigger. from the air box to mm-hmm. the turbo and improve the flow and the air density if we can't adjust the area at the MAF sensor in the tube. So Gail says, well, why don't we just fool the ECM? Same way you used to do with engines back in the day or the trans control modules or... So he proceeds to write a patent. Okay. And he proceeds to get said patent. So that means... On an air mass control module. That means he's going to own the market. Bingo. Yep. Bingo. So we launched it with the 2020, it's the 42266. How do I know that number? Because it's, you it is live the and breathe most, it right po- That is the most popular intake we've ever sold. Four Check this out. 42266-revision C. This is, this is crazy. Now, so normally F. we launch, I'm going to give, not, not going to give away the actual numbers because I'll be scolded, but we normally launch an intake on the first weekend. Let's say we sell a few dozen, maybe a hundred. Who knows, right? Depending on the model and how popular the truck is. We went on sale with this sucker and they found out about this module and all that it could do. Because we can flow as much air as we want because we can tell the ECM something else. We sold thousands Mm. the first weekend. (laughs) It took us almost a year to unbury ourselves. Did it also make more power? Yes. Interesting. Yeah. So the other guys, the other competitors, if you look at them, the mat, the tube at the MAF sensor Next is exactly as stock. Yeah. It doesn't matter how big their filter is. Right. At the MAF sensor, it's stock. So you're necking all the way down. And um, the new one, this new 24 Duramax, is going to have to have two or one sensor. That, I don't know how it's going to work because I'm not, not an electrical engineer, but we're going to have to do the same thing for this one. But, but times two, what the hell? And it's got a freaking pressure sensor. Did you know this? I didn't know this about all the, the newer trucks. They've got a pressure sensor that's looking for not more pressure, Holman, less. less. You know why? Because it uh, changes emissions? Nope. Because it leans out the fuel? Nope. Because it enriches the flow? Negative. Because it's noisy? (laughs) No. Because it likes brunettes? Because some of the trucks have a habit of getting the filters so dirty, ah. it sucks the filters sideways well, and it tacos the filter. Sure, and then so you don't now, have a filter anymore because so people what, don't do maintenance. Imagine you've all seen the flat filters. If you've got a Duramax mm-hmm. or you've got a Ram or whatever, they have flat paper filters mm-hmm. and it, they get so dirty or worse in the Rams. It's like an epidemic. The guys were sucking snow into them. Yeah. And then it starts melting. It gets wet. And then this filter, Holman, yep. it tacos. It, it creates an A shape. Yep. And what it does and then is the air now, flows around it because it doesn't go. The yeah. air goes around it. So when the air goes around it, the pressure goes down and the pressure sensor tells the ECM, whoa, 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 you got a bad filter. There's a hole in the filter. And so it sets the pressure light yep. and it says go to the dealer and yep. all that stuff. So now we have to manipulate both the pressure sensor and the mass airflow sensor. Why do we have to screw the pressure sensor? Because we're dropping the pressure right. because we have flowing a, more. We're flowing more air, mm-hmm. so we've got to manipulate all these things. All right, that's just the first thing in the Duramax. Then these dudes add a new map sensor 
and FRP sensors. These dudes, so, you mean GM? GM. Got it. They, these dudes. I'm just, just some, some verifying. I didn't right? know. Yeah, I didn't know if there's some guys that were you like showed up at midnight and the that's hood was not, up. And, that's not fair. The engineers at uh-huh. General Motors. No, these designed, dudes. I like these dudes yeah, better. These dudes. By the way, that's their new internal nickname for each other <laughs> after the dudes. shows. These not dudes. a skunk works. These dudes. No, it's these dudes. So they, they update the ma- the uh, manifold absolute pressure sensor, which is your air, your boost, okay, and the FRP sensor, your fuel rail pressure sensor. Yep. And everything is controlled by the fuel rail pressure. It determines so much that happens in your car or truck with a common rail system, right? So they changed both those sensors. What does that mean? I, we can't take and superimpose our Derringer right on over from the 23 to 24. It's going to take us months to do it. So that sucks. If you're waiting for a Derringer for your new 24, you're excited to like get some more power, as if it didn't have enough power already, you're going to have to wait till probably end of summer. So then we're like, okay, we can get past that. Let's just bolt on our our monster exhaust, our five-inch monster exhaust. Right, because you know what? Monster exhaust, big old tip, and no problem. You're just going to... Just gonna bolt it onto the back of the uh, whole mid pipe, and it's Cause, just because listen, there's perfect. A, you got the giant diesel particulate yeah. filter, and it's gonna go after the DPF, right? It's it doesn't even have anything to do with emissions at all. No, we're just gonna because it looks the same. We're gonna bolt it up. So what do we do? It goes from the four inch diameter right after the yeah. DPF, and it swedges up very organically to five inch. And then there's the two pressure sensors after that are in our new pipe, and then it goes out to the monster sidekick tip. Okay. We install it. We drive it around the block. Check engine light. <laughs> That's funny. They updated the delta pressure sensors. So how All does- I'm thinking right now is old trucks are going to become so valuable because they'll Dude. be the only things you can work on. All these other trucks are going to be good for 10 or 15 years. And then nobody's going to make parts for them because there's so many damn parts. Like you look at a company like uh, LMC or something, for example, who is like, oh, we'll just go buy the original stamping for that fender and we'll just make it ourselves." Or, oh, here's that instrument cluster. We, we'll just make our own or whatever, you know, automotive company. Hey, we can remake that seat. Who's remaking all these little itty bitty sensors that get updated eight times a year and superseded new part numbers? How are yeah. you going to keep these trucks going in 25 years? Don't know. Don't it's know. crazy. Don't know. I mean, we don't supply those parts. Well, that's so. what I'm saying is is the dealer's only going to have them for so long. And then, you know, Denso's making or Bosch or whoever's the tier one supply. Like, who's is it? Is it AutoZone is going to be like, hey, we reverse engineered it and we got the right part. I mean. It's possible. I mean, it might. Maybe. I mean, you can buy delta pressure sensors. The problem is the fittings, the no, lines. That's all what I'm saying. The, the direct replacement. It's going to be hard for people who want to be enthusiasts to do stuff with this generation of vehicles now. Right. So let me paint the picture. So you're thinking like, what does he mean? The pressure sensors, you got your diesel particulate filter. How does the truck know when it's full? How does the truck know when your DPF is full of soot? There's a sensor in front of it and a sensor behind it. And it looks at the pressure between those sensors, right? And when it senses no pressure at the back sensor, it goes, oh, it must be full. There's no air flowing right. by it, right? Right. So at It thinks your DPF is, is trying to match the flow at the beginning and the end. Know. That's exactly And it's going, right. uh-oh, danger, Will Robinson. It's, it's full of soot. D- let's yeah. start a regeneration and let's burn all the soot out of and there. And then so there goes your DPF. Again. You're not actually helping it because it's artificial or it's it's prematurely burning through it. So, so the point wow. is, though, the two sensors that come in the stock pipe, you unscrew. Mm-hmm. 
out of the four inch piece of pipe. You throw them away. No, 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 no. Got it. So you unscrew them out of the four inch stock pipe and then you screw them into our five inch pipe. Uh Uh-huh. Therein lies the problem. Right. You screw them into our five inch pipe. So you have to make a four inch pipe that goes into a five inch later. But you probably only have what eighteen inches or less. twenty? Oh, less, less than eighteen. Less. So you, you might like, as well just put a tip on it and be done. So we don't want to. No one's. We. We. I would love to sell the tip, but we. People would buy just the tip. They. They might. They ask for it. We don't sell it. You have to buy the whole uh-huh. thing. So check it out. We're like, oh my, what are we gonna do? You this? call it the we super don't... tip, and you can make it a tip that's longer than most tips. So we don't have a solution for it yet. As if that's not enough. Wait, there's more. General Motors changes the CAN network and the way it works. So, so is the, it the controller the, area network, So right? is it a new standard? Because there's a few different CAN standards out there. Well, so it's Global B. Oh, okay. that's right. So there's, but B. it's not just Global B that's causing the issue. Which, by the way, Global B is a new, uh, basically, uh, platform for um, it's way engine all the, management systems. It's the way all the modules in the yeah. vehicle talk to each yeah. other. It's the latest version of that. It's a new vehicle ECM um, ar- architecture, basically. I guess we'll and that. it's supposed to be hack-proof. It won't be. Yeah. I think there's a company that's already hacked into it and, and done some stuff. You have to physically go into the ECM yeah, if you yeah, want to change it. Solder off Solder stuff, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you can't just go into the ECM and make your tunes like you had in the past with like EFI Live. Well, you should sad, sad trombone that too. That's getting hard to be an enthusiast these so days. So then like even our freaking pedal monster. No way. Even that won't work? It works. But it doesn't have reverse safety yet. It will. Mm. The guys have already cracked it. So I think by the time you're hearing this, it's already got reverse safety. Uh, where you That's when you back up with a pedal monster. So you have stock throttle in reverse so you don't run everyone over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, So that's already been done. That was or a priority. back your boat hardcore into the water. Yep. Uh, qualified captain yep. action. Quali- oh, so great. Sure. So all those things add up to... General Motors not playing nice with the aftermarket. I yeah. don't think that's the reason. I don't think they're trying to... No, aftermarket is obviously secondary. I yeah. think there are people within GM who who love the aftermarket. GM obviously you know, embraces it in a lot of different ways, especially their genuine accessory line through Chevy Performance Parts. Uh, but when you're, you've got a lot of vehicle regulations and things like that, that's, that's secondary. Yeah. So then I head down to my buddies at uh, CJC Off-Road, yep. which I think should be, uh, do you know the guys, this Andrew and the and Cody over at CJC? Uh, I, don't, I know of them. I follow them on Instagram, and they do some really, really killer Super Duty builds lately, but they're doing, they do Ram and Ram, so they're straight heavy duty guys, stuff. Yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. Uh, they have a great story. Bring them down. Let's do it. They have a great story well, let's about, have them on about the podcast. Like Carly. So, yeah, they're, like, just, they're just up the freeway from us. That's exactly right. So bring they're, them down they, the they're, they're totally down. Tell them to bring stickers. Yeah, so they're good. The reason I bring them up is uh-huh. I go down, I'm dropping off one of our customers' trucks. We we did all the stuff on on her Ram truck. We're doing like a pimp my ride as a as a favor for this for this woman. She's super awesome. After all the bank stuff is put on, bring it to CJC and they're gonna put a Carly pin top lift on, new uh raceline wheels, Toyo tires. They, they actually they put in RTs. It's gorgeous. Nice. It's really, really cool. And what do I see in front? A 23 Ford F-250. Yeah. If you know anything about Ford right now, you know that the 23s are just hitting the streets. Just now. Did you wiggle the steps on the rear bumper? No, I didn't. That uh, I completely forgot about that. But as soon as I rolled up, I go, hey, that's a Ford F-250 with steps in the side of the bed. I go, that's a 23. And then you see where it says Ford F-250 on the sides, like those gills. What do you call those things? On the In front of the doors, in the in the backs of the front fenders? You know, the, the logo strips that are vertical? What would you call that? The logo strips? Yeah. So right at the door seam, 
between yeah. the door and the fender. Yeah. It's the big Ford logo that's vertical, usually made out of black plastic. It's like 18, 20 inches tall. You're talking about the front fender? Yeah, front fender. Oh, badge, the vent, the I mean, applique? It's, it's big. It's huge now. Okay. The applique, sure. Sure. It's but Okay, anyway, so it, that's a dead giveaway. It was a 23. Turns out that our friends at Ford followed suit, and they've changed all bunches of stuff uh-huh. on the 23. They did a bunch of stuff. They moved the battery. Uh, they, they. It looks like the airbox might be just ever so slightly different. We know that the tune is different because the truck's got more horsepower. It just, oh, it's like, come on, guys. Can you just, like, they? I'm happy because the truck is freaking gorgeous. And if you're in the market for a new truck, you're going to have a rough time between the 24 Duramax and the 23 Ford. The 23 Ram is pretty much the same as the 22. No real big changes there. But anyway, getting back to the So sport, what you're saying is if you like intake, exhaust, and pedal monsters, just get a Ram. Yeah, because <laughs> everything carried right on over uh, to the 23. That's the same truck. Yeah, funny. exactly. So here's another tidbit that uh, I learned when I was over at CJC staring at their 23. And, and Andrew was kind of telling me about, hey, we just installed their the Carly kit on it, whatever. And he goes, there's a couple of components that are different in the front end that lead us to believe that it's designed for 37-inch tires. Now, that truck did not have 37s on it. Of course, it did after their the lift. Tr- the Tremor, by the way, has 35s from the factory. Right. But he says this, from all the guy, all that the CJC guys have seen, this is really leading them to believe that there is going to be a 37-inch tire edition of the Ford So F-250. what was changed? Steering components. And there was some width uh, had been narrowed. And I, I forgive me, we'll get the guys on the show to talk about cross it. Cross member, frame, don't I, know? Yeah, it was cross member. There was hmm. some new mounts that had been uh, really I beefy mean, cast aluminum mounts. Listen, that had, they've like, got 37s on a Bronco and 37s on a Raptor, a Bronco so Raptor, and an F-150 Raptor. So I, they, sin- they think it's coming. Yeah. You're going to be able to buy a th- a, uh, an F-250 with 37s from the factory. I mean, that's pretty damn solid. Yeah, that's cool. So anyway, it's all good for you. It's not necessarily all good for aftermarket parts manufacturers. Well, it's good if you like stock trucks, allegedly. Yes, allegedly. But for those of us who are enthusiasts who like to modify our trucks, uh, I think we should get into our next segment, which is actually uh, about the love and joy of making aftermarket parts. Absolutely. So the voices you're going to hear are from Mike Hamrick, the promotions manager, and Steve Cornelius, the director of sales and marketing, at Willwood Engineering. And I can never think of Steve Cornelius without saying, and his name's Cornelius. Because I just, I can't, there was a commercial uh, a couple years ago where it was this old-timey guy, I think it was like for the lotto or something like that, and he's in like a steampunk, like old balloon, and he has this dog that he's like going around the world because he's rich, and he's got like a monocle, and his dog, he goes, and his name's Cornelius. Did he have the pants that uh, had yes, the tie just below it. the knees? But I have to laugh because every time I hear Cornelius, all I do is see the image of the stupid dog from this commercial and him saying, and his name's Cornelius. Well, and I gonna... think it's awesome. Oh my goodness, what kind of dog is he? The corny? It's mutt. Corny. was a good corny. His name is Cornelius. Cornelius! You're going to have to listen to this uh, tour of so. Willwood to find out if Holman actually said it out loud in front of Steve. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> so Holman says, let's see how the sausage is made. Just off mic. Like, I'm not sure I that's the that. way that uh, we want to start this that. podcast. What episode. are you talking about? <laughs> Why are you so gross? <laughs> well, I'm the gross one, Mr. Dickmaster General. 
Is that an official title? Yes. I want that Dick on my Master next uh, batch of uh, Truck Show Podcast business cards. Yeah. Steve, do you know that uh, Holman has uh, an affliction by which he has to draw a penis everywhere? So if there's a dry erase marker, a Sharpie, <laughs> a, uh, a sandy beach, no. he'll put a, a dick and balls. Mm. In, uh, no, only in your office. No, it's everywhere. <laughs> or on your chin. Or t- <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, so, that's why he yeah. won't take naps near me. Don't fall asleep, guys, with a Sharpie and Holman. I don't know what yeah. I'm about. saying. Sleep with a one Sharpie eye open. And and... All right. Listen, <laughs> here we go. We, we got to let, let's let's set the stage. We're at Willwood in Camarillo, California, where they just put a massive set of I'm going to get it right. TX6R. Ooh, brakes we got it. Yeah. Even I know on that. On your TRX. Yep, and we went uh, for a spirited jaunt around Camarillo just and now. And are you about ready to puke? I actually did get a little lightheaded, Because yes. in your old age, that inner ear is hardening, man, and it is not <laughs> easy like it used to be. So Mike, quote-unquote, bedded the brakes. And, yeah, uh, you have and, to bed in the brakes. And, and that consisted of what, Mike? Saturation. Saturation. <laughs> yes, it did. So we did a lot of uh, like 45 to zeros, 60 to zeros, Well, there should have been a lot of 45s to like 15s and stuff like that, right? Still rolling? What? So I, I try to do it, so you're going to do it in, like, your street. So, right? yeah, okay, so what's the proper, from the brake expert, what's the proper bedding procedure? On a street car. Yes. Or, in truck. your case, uh-huh. truck. I try to explain to people, try to do it in an area where the speed limit's about 45, because then you're not breaking laws, everything's mm-hmm. legit. Make sure it's a clean, open area, nice coefficient of friction to the ground, not in a dirt area, Right. And then down to 20, but almost as though a child ran out in front of you. Just panic stop. Because what we want to do is it's like heat treating metal. We want to do it in stages and get it warmer and warmer and warmer, then to hot, then to really hot. Now, this sounds contrary to popular belief where you're supposed to be easy on the brakes. No, no, no. You, you don't want to be easy on the brakes. No, we want to we saturate the system so that the calipers, the pads, the rotors, everything are the same temperature. And the binder in the brake pad gets onto the face of the rotor. That's how you get the system to work properly, especially, you know, after 5,000 miles, you'll be happy with the brakes. So the e-coating started to uh, come off. We can see just now it's more of a, a steel color in there. So we know it was working. It, it, it came off pretty quick. Yeah, actually. probably with the first brake uh, application. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a 6,100-pound truck. I, I think the Eco <laughs> came off pretty quick. And then it was your first launch, so he was driving. And Steve, you were over here uh, a few blocks over. Could you Listening? hear us do the launch? <laughs> yeah, you could definitely hear the launch. On. It's like, we we yeah, were laughing. Sweet. In yeah. fact, I said that uh, Lightning's truck doesn't have an odometer. It actually has a taxi fare gauge for how much gas is going through right. it. Yeah, just constantly <laughs> running. But, yeah. Well, and yeah, I mean, especially with the exhaust on it, you can hear that thing launch read pretty sweet all right so we are going to go for a tour is that right yeah. well hold on before Wait. we go for a tour oh so we didn't explain that the e-coat comes on all the brake rotors so okay. the brake rotors come completely black so that you don't have any surface rust or anything like that and then that's natural to wear off and then where the vents are and the side of the rotor stays e-coated and then we i don't know that we explained the difference between your stock brake system and what you just put on so maybe talk about the big brake kit and then we'll go for a tour well, at, at the end of the day, the, the big advantage of this brake system is you're going to a fixed mount caliper. So that means that you have equal amount of force on both faces of the rotor, whereas your factory brakes were two pistons pushing while the caliper was pulling. So there's a lot of compliance in the system. So by going to a fixed mount, what that does is it gives you a better pedal feel. Which, by the way, I could immediately feel. Yeah, so you, you're not going to have as long of a brake pedal 
with the same amount of effort that you're giving or applying to the system. So it's going to be dramatic, especially after these brakes cool off. You're going to drive home tonight and you're going to be like, whoa, it's going to make a big difference. It's going to be really awesome and stop and go traffic all the way home to where you are going to go from 10 to zero, 10 to zero. The other big thing is we went to a two piece hat rotor. So what that means is instead of your factory rotor, which was 14 and three quarter by inch and a quarter. So pretty stout, right? And the truck even came with an 18 inch wheel that was pretty much molded around that big brake, right? We went to a two piece. So now we've got a rotor that's cast iron bolted to a forged aluminum hat. So everybody goes, well, what does that do? Well, we looked at the numbers earlier and we saved a bunch of weight, didn't we? 11 pounds per corner, Holman, of unsprung weight. So now we're on a 16 inch by inch and three eighths rotor that's attached to a forged aluminum hat, which now we're dissipating all of that temperature into that forged aluminum hat. So it's almost like a heat sink. And then it's dissipating the heat a lot better for us, right? The other big thing that I was telling you earlier about is everybody doesn't realize that that forged aluminum hat is not going to be such a heat sink to make your bearings wear out in your hub so quick you'll have longevity of hubs and people don't think about those right, things. Right, because the cast iron one-piece rotor that comes on most factory vehicles, they are a heat sink. Yeah. And it's basically, it keeps the heat in. It doesn't really shed them out. So it's all like that, an oven. All that heat is sitting there against your wheel bearings all the time versus when you go to a aluminum, or in this case, a forged aluminum hat, which is the center section, it's able to dissipate heat, just like an aluminum-bodied shock. Same principle. It's a lot easier than a steel shock to kind of release... Yep. heat into the atmosphere and not keep it in the internal components. Exactly. So the factory had a two piston caliper and we're going up to a six piston. Okay. So equal amount of clamping force though. Surface area on the piston is greater or the same? Well, the surface area is different than the square area. So the, the square area of the combined, and I don't want to get too geeky cause I'll Do get it. geeky. We love it. We only calculate half of a fixed mount caliper. You only calculate half of the square area of a fixed mount caliper. So the calipers we put on your truck are 6.52, so six and a half square inch. Your factory calipers were somewhere around like six and three quarters. So you're basically trading two equal size larger pistons for three on each side, so six total uh, on your caliper of dissimilar size but smaller pistons for the purpose of spreading the load and having the extra pistons means that the brake pad itself is uh, gonna be more uh, uniform in how it presses into the rotor? Absolutely, so we do a staggered bore on the caliper. So the, the leading edge of the pistons are smaller than the tail end piston. So it goes smaller piston, smaller piston, large piston. And the reason for that is as you're stopping the car, you've heard of the, the term leading edge. Well, leading edge of the brake pad wears faster because that material has to swipe across the whole brake pad. Oh, you don't even think about that. Interesting. Exactly. Will so, it does. M- yes. Mike actually thinks about that before he goes to bed every night. And when I wake up and it's <laughs> terrible. Like that's all I think about sometimes, Jay. Tell me about the, the veins inside the rotors. They looked unique. I haven't seen that before. So this particular rotor is one of our new straight vein staggered. And what that means is it's the same rotor left and right. What that means is it's such a big chunk of steel that it has so much volume and mass and surface area because everybody doesn't realize this, but inside the veins, there's more surface area, right? So we've 
now have a rotor that has more surface area than our old directional vane rotor. So we've done a bunch of dyno testing and it's way more effective in this big, big rotor than it is on like a road race car with a smaller rotor. And again, surface area is going to be able to shed heat faster, right? Or, or contain the heat. So mass is what's going to store the heat and then your surface area is what's going to vent the heat off. Exactly. Exactly. So Steve, this TX6R kit, rumor has it that it was originally developed by you for the Mexican military. Is that true? Or is that, do I need an NDA to well, you no need more. an NDA for some of that, but no, we, we did. I mean, there was like larger armored vehicle market that we were working into in the previous kit that we had. The Hey, we're doing a podcast over here. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. It's okay. Listen to the exhaust for a second. All right, All right keep it on. Yeah, it sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, he just, you owe five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the previous brake kit we did, the way the caliper was designed, we originally did it for like a lot of like street trucks with really where wheel clearance was really tight. And what, once we realized on the heavier vehicles, the way the piston layout on the caliper was you got a lot of a lot of flex in the caliper, a lot of taper on the you know, that caliper. So we had to come up with a much bigger stouter setup because we do not just like with you know, with Jay's truck, but heavier armored vehicle stuff where you're going from a 6,000 pound truck to a 15,000 pound truck. And so, yeah, we had to step up our game quite a bit. So how does the pad material differ between what's already a performance street pad on the TRX? So not, obviously not all vehicles have a performance pad from the factory. The TRX definitely takes a step greater in performance. What is the pad material you guys are using and how does that compare? Yeah, we, and most Obviously, frictions that will come on the truck, they have to cover both, like, noise and dust, where some guys right off the shelf, well, they won't want any noise or dust. But we'll look at, like, we'll know, like, on the factory brake pad, it'll have a friction coat on it, where it's an EE or FF friction coat, and we'll usually go one or two steps above that and still have a streetable, you know, streetable friction. Because, like, with the rotor diameter increase and then doing a friction increase, that's where you get the you know, the stopping power and torque increase on it. And so what's the difference between a, a street pad and a race pad? Is it the friction material needs to be warmer on a race pad, so that's not going to be good for a cold start in the morning when you're, you know, your, your vehicle's cold and you have to brake leaving the driveway or getting on the freeway? It depends on the race pad, but definitely that usually is the case where, like if we were running a, you know, a road race where, yeah, it needs to sustain temperatures, you know, at whatever temp, but on a truck like this if it's cold it'd stop awesome but you would murder your rotors you know within a couple hours mm. so you have to get on a race car you have to have that temperature in that range for it to work great and and survive like if you put the pad that's in jay's truck on a race car it would stop good for the first couple of times but then it would just fade away and you know you lose your brakes there's a lot of trade-offs in the brakes are braking all about system. yeah right i mean if you want if you're like hey i don't want dust on my wheels you're balancing Dust, heat, noise, durability. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, it, absolutely, especially in well, within the last few years, there's been a couple. I think state of Washington started, but there's been like, lawsuits which countered like any pad that we sell for the street market. It has to have a certain basic copper content. You know, the copper content has to be below a certain percentage to be able to sell it on the street. So we have to 
dyno tests that we have to register with the state and government and there's codes on like there's a little leaf code on all the brake pads that we saw on the street it's for that reason there's a code and so we have to be careful on if we're going to sell a brake kit that goes on the street it has to be a certain we can't put the off-road pad that works great on sure. a uh, you know truck out of the king of the hammers we we can't sell it that way why copper um actually if you look it up it started with state of washington they filed a lawsuit where a certain they came up with this harebrained idea that a certain amount of the copper was coming off the brake pads and getting into the streams right. and killing fish you know and so state of washington started in california the great state it is <laughs> jumped on that bandwagon and you know the same thing so we had to go through friction changes pads that we used to buy like physically we can't buy them anymore just because of that and so when you guys are coming up with a, a brake pad for whatever the application what does the test equipment look like? Is it a dyno? Like, how do you test a brake pad to find out if it does what you need it to do on that application? Yeah, actually, we have a dyno right over here, and it's a... You know, well, this walk this over. looks like yeah. a great idea. Let's, right. uh, let's go check it out. A lot of the companies use a similar brand, but we, we have a Link dynamometer, and, and that's what we do. We have all... I mean, there's standard tests that you can buy, like standard road tests. You know, we have a computer, and we'll program it and run it and just... It obviously depends on the load. You have different weighted flywheels, so you can simulate up to, uh, I think for us, we can go up to about an 8,000 pound vehicle. So we're looking at the machine here, and it's a, uh, a yellow box that inside has a hub and what looks like a flywheel. If you've ever you seen can... an engine dynamometer, it's fairly similar, yeah, right? No, I wouldn't say no? so. Uh, I, I mean, there's the brake right on the front. I would say this looks like the back end of an uh, engine dyno where the flywheel would be. Except you would, I'm assuming, put brakes on the end of that. Yeah, you can see. Oh, like hold on. Wait, Steve. Wait, let me mic you. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so you can see here, like, where the caliper mount is. You know, so that and the brake rotor will go in there. And then they'll have all sorts of, you can see all the thermocouples and everything that goes with it. So we'll, we drill all the brake pads, put all thermocouples in there, put them on the calipers to check all the temperatures. And, and we're able to tell very detailed, like, the like co-finish friction, where temperature range and just the whole you know we test pads all the time and things that look great on paper and that's why we do on vehicle testing because it's like they'll what you think may be great on paper sucks on a street and that's why we do a lot a lot of research before we put anything on the street so this is kind of like if you go if you go back to jay's analogy of the engine dyno it's usually in a self-contained room with like blast doors and things like that this has uh, is a freestanding machine where everything's internal it still has the same type of venting where you've got fans that blow yeah. out all the air to the exterior and whatnot but it's definitely a little bit smaller than what you might see in an engine dyno looks like it has these doors that would close over the the brake assembly, right? So it would be protected from the, the guy who's operating the yeah, dyno. That's what it's all for safety. And like all the, obviously with all, especially all the dust and venting going out, and especially again in California, you have to set up a certain way, have all your exhaust ducted out a certain way and protecting the operator. So they'll get it all set up. And then they have the computer over here with a program. And just uh, with this one, you can just set it and let it run. Because doing a proper friction test can be a few hours. So you get it up and let it run and then you can walk away from it. How different are the military tests versus your internal tests? Like at Banks, we, we will subject an engine to a NATO test, which is 400 hours at full throttle. Right. Do you have specific tests for your hum, hummers and things like that that you supply brakes to? 
Same thing. There are various tests. Depends on the branch of the government and the vehicle. But again, we'll get scripts from them. Of For the Humvee, they have what they call a popular Jennerstown test. In Jennerstown, I think, Pennsylvania, where they would do all the testing, like you can buy that script test. We buy it and run it on our dyno. Um, and plus, but we do other vehicles. If it's a heavier armored vehicle, you know, same thing. We can have, you know, do custom scripts for, you know, for each application. So this is the dyno where they test the rotors. And I guess everything gets tested on that machine, correct? Not just brake pads, but the rotors, the calipers, yeah. everything. Yeah, everything. Yeah, you know, we'll test calipers because we can, again, we have thermal couples. We put on them and test, you know, the heat, how much heat generate, dissipating the heat, you know, different piston materials, stuff like that. How often are you guys surprised by you make something and you think on paper it's going to do a certain thing and then you get it on the dyno and go, well, that's not at all what we expected. Oh, all the time. If we're not trying, then, you know, we're not pushing it. But we've like like different like metals, for example, you think, oh, we're going to use a certain steel here and it responds a different way. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially on rotors. You know, we think this rotor because we may want to make it lightweight or something. Hey, we think this will work well. And like enough, we can make it. We can, you know, put it on there and, you know, see how it does. And there's times we're surprised in a good way and then surprised in the bad way. We, you know, did a drilled slot design of hey let's try this out and it may be for us easier to manufacture this way and we you know drill the holes a certain way and the thing makes racket like you would never believe and it's like nobody no none of the engineers thought about that but literally on this machine you run it it's like holy crap that ain't gonna work they put a baseball uh, card on your spokes of your bicycle absolutely it was (laughs) you know we did we did the drill holes a certain way and we thought hey this there's no reason why this wouldn't work yeah and then if you didn't have this and the and the noise you know if we would have done something like that we thought it would work and put it straight into production we'd have had a mess on our hands well and this is probably good for testing coatings right because you guys anodize and powder coat so Mm -hmm. knowing the durability of that for let's face it there's a lot of people with high-end cars that want to put willwood brakes on there yeah but demand both the looks and the performance absolutely and that's what we do especially when and you'll guys will see the powder coating is yeah we subject all of our powder coat to you know hot brake fluid testing hot pot testing for days on end just to it may look good the first 10 seconds but hours later you see how the powder coat's going to react we've developed a i mean a very specific powder coat that we have tested that we know that it works great against brake fluid because we have people that want to send us powder they it's like nope you know we're not going to do that and one we're not going to tell other people what we do but we've learned the hard way and we've tried you know mike and i were part of it early on we did some caliber painting that we thought would be really good but it's really expensive it's like that's not going to work, especially with the way the street market is now. We have to be very careful as performance is important, but looks is equally as important. We can totally stand behind the 24 colors that we do, and it's because we've proven the process. So when someone says, oh, I, I want to match paint my car, and we're like, well, you're going to need to pick one of those three greens or a pink like you wanted. But then I said, <laughs> no, 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 I, I don't recall that. Do it. Yeah, you know, it's I funny. Said, no, you can't I saw do the it. emails. I text, know. I know. You were on him. Well, we talked about it, and I'm like, I think that really would be the right choice for him. And you're like, I, I can't do it. And look, only real men can wear pink. But you want it on your truck, and I wasn't going to let you do that. I'm standing right here, and I can hear you, and it's all false. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, so we are standing in the uh, warehouse now, which is Raiders of the Lost Ark. It just goes for days and days and days. And I see a lot of, uh, it says forging on a lot of these boxes. You guys design all of your own forgings. That's correct. Yeah, all the, 
well, any of the calipers, we do everything ourselves. We design, we do all the prototype tooling, um, and like if we're going to bring out a new caliper, we'll design it, we'll make them out of billet in-house, do our test fitting, testing, and all that, and then we'll design a forging and have it made. And even though it's expensive in the front end, it works out well, you know, in the long run, especially with uh, the way a forging is made versus a billet part. It's a much better part. All right, now we're uh, heading to the uh, the noisier part of the factory here. There's a lot of uh, a lot of liveliness down on this side of the building. A lot of forklifts. Ooh, a lot of billet. CNC machines. Oh, oh my god! Hey. Look at all that aluminum. So that's all like bar stock. What do you use the bar stock for? Well, making brackets. There's still some extrusions that we do for billet calipers over here. So we extrude the bars into the shape of the caliper. And yeah, then we so cut chunks into billets to machine them. So you can see like this is like 12 foot bars of aluminum. We have extruded to the shape of the outboard of the caliper and the inboard of the caliper. So we saw cut it, you know, here and then it, so this is ready to go to the machine and get machined. And for those who don't know, an extrusion is a process where you superheat the metal and shape it into a form and then you're, you can machine it from there, but you can get it into its basic shape and it's stronger because my understanding is because the grains of the metal stay in the same direction rather than trying to cut something out of a shape that wasn't meant to be that way. That's correct, yes. Is it like making spaghetti, like pushing it through the... Uh, yeah, uh, basically extruded, yeah. yeah, you heat Play it up and... Play-Doh. Play-Doh, Play yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I would say that probably one to 2% of our calipers to this day are an old school sand casting because it's typical small calipers used for OE applications that don't have a lot of pressure. Then there's probably another five to 7% that are still made from a real billet. Those are lower quantity calipers with lower pressure. So lower volume stuff that hasn't really gotten to the point for us to make a forging, right? So that's what you see right here. The balance of that is all net forged calipers. What does that mean, net forged? Yeah, well, net forged caliper, that means we, like you said, we will design a tool for it and we'll have a forging made. So it's basically it's the same thing. You got a piece of billet, you heat, heat it up and it's pressed into form, but then that's it. We don't go like on the extrusion, we have to machine it all back. Sure. It's made to shape. We go in and machine piston bores and all that stuff. So it's, and especially with all stuff, we can make it, powder coat it, looks fantastic and we do the volume where it'll help keep our costs down. So your calipers on your truck are a net forging. The whole outside exterior of that caliper, we didn't machine any of it. It's, no kidding. It's the net shape of the caliper. That's how nice it comes out. We only machine all of the tolerance areas for like where the brake pad goes, the two body halves together, the pistons, the crossover area. Everything else stays the way it is, which makes it a way stronger part. Now I understand what you mean about the net yes. part. Yeah, net being, yeah, we don't do any extra outside machining on it, which at the end of the day costs a lot of money. Very little loss. Correct, yeah. yeah. yeah and you know, eventually you'll see our scrap bins and all that stuff. And yeah, we do everything very, try to be very efficient and in a production fashion. You know, because if we're going to make 50s and 100s of calipers, yeah, all that little bit helps to keep our costs under control. By the way, one of my favorite sounds and smells is the inside of a machine shop. How many, I mean, there, there's rows and rows of CNC machines. How many CNC machines do you guys have? 
Oh, I think in this building there's probably at least 24. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that was just well, amazing. You see behind and they're you, all busy. Hey, Ryan Kibbe, eat your heart out. Yeah. Well, if you see behind you, yeah, these are all the machining fixtures um, for all the ca every part we make. And we design and manufacture all that in-house. Wow. So we can do it all. And again, we and that's one thing we do above our competitors that helps you know, a good advantage. You can control the tooling. You can make it yourself. Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to wait for a supplier to send you four revisions back and forth. Right. Then you can be making production right away. So there's a there's some great names that are in the brake space. Yeah. Willwood, obviously an American company. You guys also have done OE projects before. You have a great aftermarket. You've got military contracts. What is the, the main differentiator between Willwood and some of the other options that are in the market? Well, I think for us, I mean, both Mike and I have been here almost forever, but being able to, you know, we're all car people. The owner's a car person, a single owner company. And again, we can design, manufacture, control everything ourselves. We don't rely on anything we do. And you'll see a little bit later from making the parts here, we anodize them down the street, powder coat them, assemble, testing, just everything ourselves. Amazing. And for all the vehicles, yeah, we'll design and test on a vehicle ourselves before we ever put something on the street. Before you got here, Holman, yep. I took a selfie with Bill Wood. Will Wood. Yes, nice. Oh. I mean, he's here, like he's hes not a figment yeah, of our imagination. This isn't a VC-owned conglomerate. Yeah. It's a, like Wait you said, one-owner, family-owned business, and... You're not owned by the Holly Group? No, <laughs> we, are, we are owned by one man, and he's owned it all of his life, and comes in every day, and, you know, he just loves what he does. And when you say that you and Mike have been here since almost forever, between you standing here is over 50 years of uh, experience. Oh, absolutely. I've been here 35 years, and Mike's been here 20, <laughs> 21. 21 years. Jay was asking me earlier, when I started, I started in 87, we had, I think, under 20 employees, and today we're, I don't think we've broken 400, but we have almost 400 employees. Oh, my gosh. Well, I, I'm still impressed that I'm looking at 24 CNC machines right here. Well, people come by and wonder, you know, is, you know, who is Will Wood? Yeah. Do you, are you just importing crap and selling it yeah. like and we'll take them through and like no, it's happening here it right is. now oh, right here you know, we keep people busy and we run our manufacturing wise we run two shifts 10 hours a day six days a week how long does it take to make a typical caliper i would say i mean start to finish you know because you see how we do it yeah you know we don't just make one caliper right. we'll it, set up and a make lot right a course. lot of calipers but a tr traditional production run of stuff can be we can probably get it done within a week if we have okay. to. And that includes powder coat, seals, and all that stuff? Yeah. But we run a really good MRP plan system, so we have a good idea of what we're going to sell in the next four months. Sure. And so we plan accordingly, and that's one thing, another thing that sets it apart is we know what we're going to sell within reason. We'll make it and stock it. So when this podcast comes out and we sell a million TRX kits. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe know, two million. We'll, we can go from zero to a hundred, you know, that quick. We can adjust to a, a demand increase, and we can just step on the gas and we'll within, stand by for that spike. Yeah, in pink, pink ones. Of course, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's just walk. Can we walk down the the aisle here? Yeah. Now, what we're looking at is all of the uh, the calipers. It looks like these are the forgings been, before they get machined. machined. Right, right. So, yeah. So this one's a really good example. This is our Dynalite, which is our tested true product that we've sold for. 47 years, right? So it starts off as a net forging. And 
then it gets fully machined on this one machine. So the green light's on. So that means that right now the back side has got a pallet that's machining four sides of say inboard or outboard bodies while the operator loads the inboard or outboard on another pallet. And then these are called tombstones that hold four sides. You said a tombstone? We call it tombstone. Yeah. So in an eight hour shift, this operator can do 250 inboard and outboard bodies in eight hours. Wow. And I see him uh, measuring every single one by hand as if the machine wasn't accurate enough. He's literally measuring every one by hand. I don't know if, uh, if Jay's ever done anything 200 times in an hour. Uh, or shift. Come over, or to a... my, uh, come over to my house sometime and I'll show you. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. That's yeah, an invite so... I'm not going to uh, take you up on. He spot checks all the calipers and you'll see we have another inspection area that every first run part of a production has to go to inspection. They have to inspect it and approve it. And if there's something up and with as much stuff we do, every once in a while something can go wonky. Well, tooling wears out and sometimes yeah. you'll have to make something and up and it but starts getting out of spec, it's time to replace yeah. the tool. And that's, but we can catch it yeah. anytime before it gets anywhere near going out to a customer. Yeah. All right, awesome. let's move on. Whoa. Oh, it's polishing, tumbler. huh? Tumbler. Oh, it's so cool. That's a giant tumbler. What is the uh, material in there? Any idea those rocks? know what it is it's all kinds of different media yeah. for different oh, yeah, calipers and parts that's gonna be some natural stone? stone yeah stone i mean that's a souvenir oh you get to keep it that's cool <laughs> it's about the size of a big rat pellet yeah it looks like it but it's, but it's stone and shiny oh, all right Ooh, so look at those oh, this wow aero dm yeah. it's a little bigger than the last one tell me about the aero dms i'm not familiar with that particular uh, offering so the Aero 6DM is, is a new caliper for us, mostly for like the off-road 17-inch wheel market. Huh, you don't say. Yeah. Would it be uh, good on, uh, let's say, uh, a Jeep Wrangler? Or, or like a Trail Boss. Oh, well, you know, yeah, Chevy, trail, yeah. half yeah, ton, something like that. that yeah. So the big thing about this caliper is getting enough square area or clamping force inside of a smaller wheel like a 17 sure. for off-road, right? How big is that market? Massive, Massive, right? All of it. So for a long time, we weren't able to have a caliper set up so that we could properly have the clamping force on well, the right drive. I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? You look at the market, 37 on a 17 is about as standard as you can get. Right. And 18s are just now going to the flotation sizes. Yep. And so you could do an 18, but you couldn't get the right size tire. And that requires a different solution. So what we ended up doing is, when you're going onto a smaller diameter rotor to fit in the 17 inch wheel, you can't have a bracket. Right. The bracket is gonna interfere with getting down radially tight enough onto the smaller like most of our Aero DM6 kits, they're all gonna be close to like 13 and a quarter to 13 and a half inch. So what we did is we forge a large knuckle. You see this big knuckle? Yeah. So that we can machine it into different applications. So like a Chevy oh, okay. platform. So these ears are what change between applications while the, uh, cal while the caliper itself stays the same. Exactly. So when you talk about, you know, fitting within a 17-inch wheel, DM stands for direct mount. Yep. So that's Aero 6, you make a non-DM model also, right? Yes, And then mount. the magic of this particular setup is it only, is what, 
an inch or less off the top of the rotor. So it's really sunken down on the rotor. It's not, the caliper doesn't sit two inches up above proud of the rotor. It's way down on it. Well, it can, or else you're going to have- You can't have, fit a wheel. Yeah, you're going to have a 12-inch rotor. Right? So with this, we directly mount it to the spindler upright so that we're not, there's no brackets so that we can get everything in that 17-inch wheel. It's a huge deal. Amazing. It huge. looks like this one only sits about a half an inch above the rotor. It's really tight. The top of the brake pad will be right about there. Between the rotor and the wheel, you've got about a half an inch-ish? Yeah. Five-eighths of an inch. And that's the magic, is you don't have it sitting up tall. It's yeah. all tucked together and very, very tightly packaged for a lot of braking performance because you can get a larger rotor in there than factory, right? Exactly. Hey, can you guys pipe down a little bit? We're trying to have a podcast in here. This is really turning out to be a really good product for us. Chevy half ton, Ford half ton, JK, JL, JT. 392. <clears throat> we tried to do it in your truck, but we just physically, you cannot do an aero DM and make it a, a true upgrade for your truck, especially over the factory 14 and three quarter inch rotor. What about the other Rams, well, like a standard well, Hold on a second, real quick, real quick, before you go there. Is that because the radius of the caliper demands a certain size rotor? And because the size of his factory rotors on the TRX are bigger, that radius isn't gonna match the radius of the caliper, or? No, so the factory brake has got so much torque. Okay. You know, at 14 and three quarter, it's almost 15 inches. Yeah. That, that's why it came with an 18 inch wheel as well, right? So if you come down to say 13 and a half, with the same square area, it, we found it'll be a decrease. Got it. And honestly, you almost physically can't do it. And it's just because the truck is so heavy, we have to have that thermal capability. Yeah. So the smaller rotor, even up to 13 and a half, it's not enough. But oh. perfect for Jeep from what I hear. Maybe a 392. <laughs> There's so much eye candy in here. I, know, I don't even know where to look. It's, it's if these are like, being polished, machined. There's master cylinders oh, over here. here. Master cylinders. Already been coated. It's awesome. Oh, oh look here. at this. Rotors. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. Stop, it looks stop, like stop. They're drilling them. Drilling and slotting. No so, way. Drilling and slotting is happening right here. So we do the, the SRP drill and slotting on a lot of our rotors um, in house. But the way that we do, like this particular rotor, we're doing so many of them that this machine's set up to do eight rotors at one time. Tell me about drilling and slotting after the fact. What does it do to the strength of the rotor itself? Some guys say that it, it can create stress for cracks to form. Is well, that not so, true? And back when I was starting out, it was drilled or slotted. You guys are doing both. The idea being that as your brake pad is engaging and making heat, it's also releasing gases and those gases are keeping the pad from contacting the rotor. And the idea was with slots, it would clear some of that out. What's true, what's not, what's the rumor, what's real? So at the end of the day, I feel there's a lot of misconception. So as you can see these rotors over here, they're plain faced, right? Let's say that that rotor in that stage yeah. is a four row radiator. Okay. It's got the most thermal capability of any radiator we can get for our 69 El Camino, okay? Yep. Then when we start to drill and slot it, we're taking mass away. Right, that's and a three row radiator. And integrity, because you're drilling into it. So we take that mass away, now it's only a three and a half or three yeah. row radiator. So it's not as efficient. 
So people ask, well, why do people do it? It's because of aesthetics. Oh, the real answer. Cool. So on a hot rod that's not getting driven super hard, maybe from one stoplight to another, it's absolutely the best thing for them. That's great. But like for your truck, we have our GT slotted pattern only. So we've kept as much thermal capability in that brake because we need it. I love the honesty, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. That's looks, why, and we're okay with that. That's why I wanted to know because the, the misconceptions out there, everybody who's bench racing about brakes is going to come up with slotted versus drilled and nobody's arguing for neither. And, and you brought up gases. Yeah. Over the last 15, 20 years, we can't sell or distribute any asbestos brake pads. Asbestos brake pads are organic. They the let gas out gases. Slotted. So when you see like a new Porsche and it's got drilled rotors, well, it's because it came from Stuttgart and they still sell it with the asbestos brake pad or the organic brake pad. And as those brakes get hot, that brake pad does have gas okay. that releases. And that gas will get in between the face of the rotor and the face yeah. of the brake pad. So by drilling it, you escape that gas. So in some cases, you almost have to do it. So the next step, organic, metallic, semi-metallic in the middle. Now it's ceramic. And ceramic is sort of considered the high end, but not a great break for the street necessarily, but all these exotic guys want to have ceramics on there. So where does that fit in from your, from Willwood's standpoint? I think that we've got to go back to when we were talking at the dyno. Yeah. And a lot of times stuff looks good on paper, but then you use it and it yeah. doesn't look as good. It's almost like the pad we talked about for your, your car, it's called our, or for your truck, it's called a Q compound. And it's not our old Q compound, it's our new. And it's for ceramic enhancement. It's still a little bit dustier than our regular semi-metallic pad, but it has some different characteristics that are really good for heavier vehicles. There's still a great street pad that's not gonna chew up your rotors like a race car pad would. So there's, there's different times and places for different brake pads. Now you guys do offer ceramic brakes though, correct? Ceramic rotors? Ceramic rotors. So they're, they're carbon ceramic. Um, we do, but we don't sell them, especially in the public, you know, as much as people think we do. Yeah, because they're race car application because they take so long to heat up. Like for example, we were talking to racers at Pikes Peak last year and we were looking at their brakes. What are they using? And very few of them are using ceramic. They're not great for every application. No, they're not. And they're very costly. So it depends on the type of racing you're doing. If you're a Formula One team, you can afford to do it because you've got an autoclave and you're making your rotors yourself because you do that for a living, right? But when you're a typical consumer, especially someone that's going up that hill, the big difference between a cast iron rotor and the use of a carbon ceramic or carbon in general is weight. If you're really down for saving a bunch of weight, it's worth it, right? But you also have to make sure that you're using it in the proper manner. I don't want to sound like I'm not a fan of it, but there are too many places where it's much more cost effective to run a cast iron and have that better longevity and pedal feel, especially throughout a race. There is so much scrap in here. I would like to be your scrapper. You want to scrap? <laughs> no, not really. Oh, you want to scrap? No, yeah, scrap. let's scrap. Huh? Let's Long scrap Beach out boy? back by the dumpster. Huh, Long Beach boy. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. What are these pellets? These are There's like a mashup of machining. Uh, uh, by, what would you call those? 
machining chips machine. made into a machining pellet. And this machine presses them together in like hockey pucks. And uh, you may have just heard one fall out into the bin. Those are cool looking. The sausage. Yeah, this looks what? like sausage. There's a sausage. We've got a complete crew that does nothing but maintain the machines. Lightning, That's you're already taking do. a TX6R home, my friend. Oh, there goes another one. That's satisfying to watch, by the way. So kind of weird. It just it pushes these uh, compacted pucks up this rail, and then they just fall into the bin. And let's just stand here for a moment, just soak it in. Probably not too exciting on uh, on audio. On audio, no. <laughs> it's quite satisfying in person. Now this is uh, some oh what is a bracket? Look at that beautiful CNC work. What are we yeah. looking at here? One of the bra radio mount brackets that we do for some application. You can see all where all that bar stock goes. There's really no easy way to make a bracket. There just isn't. Yeah. And people trip out because they say. Oh man, why can't you guys make us some hats or why can't you make us brackets? And I say it's probably cost us less to make you a caliper than it does a bracket. Really? Because of the bar stock? There's well, so many ways to material. No, because we're a caliper manufacturer. <laughs> the bracket is almost secondary yeah. in order to make a brake kit. And there's no way to save material. Right. There's too many different variations on a bracket. Now I will say... And you're cutting a curved piece from a piece of straight bar stock. Yeah. There are applications where we do like a forged steel bracket now. And it's because it's kits that we do in high volume. So like some of our rear internal drum parking brake brackets, we do them out of steel because we do so many of them, right? Light machining on them and, and they're done. Early Mustangs, you would not believe, but from 64 and a half to 73, it's all the same bracket. We've made one bracket that works on all of those stock disc and drum spindles. Wow. So we've made it out of a steel bracket, which is perfect for that market. And we're able to make large quantities of them. But when we're talking about like larger brake kits, like the bracket for your truck, it's gotta be made out of this bar stock. The upside is it's pretty. <laughs> I just wanna pick up a piece of bar stock and take it home with us. I don't think you could do that. Nothing. No, don't worry about anything. Nothing. I wouldn't say anything. Nothing. I just tried to keep Jay honest. <laughs> oh, I see hubs. Oh, what are these? Are these hubs? What, what are we looking at? So this is one of those net forgings. This one net forging makes about 130 to 140 hubs. Oh, my gosh. So do you see how we've got this area? It's so cool to see the grains in the metal and all that. Yep, because it's been forged. This flange thickness, this nose thickness, and this back half thickness we're able to make different. Wow. Oh my God. That Look is crazy. The now feel the, the weight difference. Oh yeah. Okay, so the forging versus the machine part, that's almost 50%. Yeah. That's a lot of material you've machined off that. I mean the core, so we're able to really utilize this one forging, which we go through a lot of, right Steve? I mean, every month I would assume that we probably machine 2,500 hubs. Oh easy, yeah. And you need two per car. Yeah. So well, I mean, that's the beauty of it, but we can do like one forging, I think can make probably three dozen part numbers. That's why it's had that much material yeah. and we do it all in SolidWorks. We design all the huts and we know we can come up with one forging that we need. It's almost like a jeweler cutting a raw diamond and trying to figure out the shapes that can come from yeah, that raw material. So it's a two-step operation to make these hubs. The first stop is one half of the hub, turning it and then milling it 
flip it over, the same thing. That used to take, when I started here 21 years ago, it took us five, six operations to make one hub. So I'd go from one machine to another machine to another. Now it all gets done on one machine. It goes in as a net forging. It comes out as a full billet ready to go on the shelf. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yep. It's cooler than what we do. Yeah. The only thing we make is a bunch of hot air. <laughs> and doo-doo. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's your own version of extruding. <laughs> it's definitely not strong either. No. No, it curls well. <laughs> well, the, pro the problem is, is you can't make a caliper out of it. No, but I can make it's S's. All, it's all wasted material. I can make S's and F's. <laughs> I dare you to spell something and send it to me. All right, Holman, he's telling me that there's another building. Um, okay. Let's go. <laughs> Lead the way. Holman, contain yourself. Stop, stop. I, I'm soaking this in. <laughs> Hold on. We've, we've now arrived at the other Willwood building that I didn't know existed. Even I haven't been seen this coming guy. coming here for like 20 years. I've never... excited in a long time. Hey, can you um, take Mike over there? Just keep him occupied. I have some anodized parts to shovel in my pockets. <laughs> oh, wait. Steve's behind me. Hey, could you uh, go grab Steve and Mike and take him over there while I... Mm. That caliper is not the only thing that's been hardened, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to steal because all the... All the fasteners on in there are all titanium. Oh, yeah, that's so exactly I, what I was going to do. You were going to start lining your pockets. And all, <laughs> titanium. all of the pictures are titanium. That yeah. is awesome. They're more expensive, but we figured out with the anodizing in the caustic tanks and stuff, they'll last a lot so longer. So I have an affinity for titanium for, for a lot of different reasons. One is I love aerospace, SR-71, all that kind of stuff. I love how lightweight and just the properties of titanium. And actually, my, I'm wearing my silicone ring now, but my wedding ring is titanium. Although, it's cheaper than like a real wedding ring, so then you kind of feel cheap. So I have a platinum laid in the titanium. So right. I still have the precious metal, but I get my titanium out of right, it. Right, yeah. So anytime I see like, especially titanium that's been hot, and it gets that really cool gold color. Oh, man. Like import exhaust. Oh, I mean, it's amazing. Now, where are we walking into? Oh, oh, so oh he's pulling back the, the uh, bookcase, and it's... Yep. Oh, wow. These are the TX6R calipers. That is a big mamba jamba. You see this here? This is the four bolt mount. If you know the late model diesel Chevys. Okay. For some reason, some GM engineer thought it was a great idea. Their caliper mounts have two bolts per side. So now we're doing, we will be having a direct mount TX6R kits. Whoa. Because the late model, the, the new diesels on the Chevys, you had to do this because we could not make a bracket radial mount and fit it in the 20, 20 inch wheels. So we had to make another a new forging to be able to do this. So, you know, coming later in the summer, we'll have a, a direct mount TX kit that will fit the, like a 22 Chevy diesel. And then down the road, we'll have Ford and Dodge and all that stuff. By the way, that woe in the middle of what Steve was saying had nothing to do with 22 Chevys. I got handed titanium bits by, from Mike. Look at that. So you've got a, looks like a washer and, and a, a nut. spacer? Feel how light that oh, is. Oh, hold on, let me pick it up here. Oh, wow, that's, that's like a, it's like a leaf. It's I just back. weighs I'm nothing. Not I'm not done fondling them yet. Well, why one can't? One for you, one for me, <laughs> one for you. Okay, here you go, you have your hardware back. Actually, you really want it, you can have it. I do oh, really he, want it. He really does. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ask him twice. Like... This is gonna go in my little uh, jar of cool stuff that I've acquired over the years. Yeah. Yeah, so this is coming into the to the actual anodized room. 
you see these are all racks of calipers prepped ready to go in for anodized so again luckily enough we're busy enough where like anodized will run two shifts so they got you know so they're all prepped and you can see all the the brackets and the hangers and you know hold them up so by this time tomorrow morning all this stuff will be anodized so what's the process for prepping a raw piece of metal to go into anodized so that the coating will stick and then what's the actual anodizing process well we'll look when we get over there okay. we'll show the different stages of the different takes and how it goes through it okay wow right, now oh, look at all the tanks now we're in a very very different room oh look they're, they, they even say what they do so, all right so we start with a jig and from that jig there's tank number one and this is the alkaline cleaner and we can see the process here where there's something soaking how long will these parts soak in tank number one the better question is when Holman kills me and needs to dissolve my skin and muscle oh he does in one of those okay he can Great. come here and do this yeah, yeah why waste the fluid yeah just let me know before you guys have to replace the fluid in the tank and I'll make sure we schedule so that right. these tanks are about three four feet tall and oh they're bigger than a coffin let's put it that way you could fit Twice in this one coffin so, the double stack coffin. So each tank does something different. And you can see what each one does. Like the next one is the water rinse. I can't tell you how long these parts stay in here because this caliper body set might be different than those billet reservoirs or different than the net forge calipers or the TX calipers. But basically we've streamlined this process and we brought in someone who knows this world really well about five, six years ago. He designed all of this. This is unbelievable that you might be one of the only aftermarket companies that I know that has your own anodizing line in your facility. And there's a, a few reasons why Bill Wood did that. One of the main reasons that I've seen over the last 21 years is when we were sending parts out, the quality was getting worse, the price was going up, and the lead time was tripling. So all the bad direction. Just everything bad. And, and we're thankful that we've got an owner of our of our business that said, you know what, we can do this better and we can control it in-house and make it better. Well, and part. I've seen your finished products and it is better. It, it's it is, way better it, than it was five years ago. Amazing. But so, it's it's consistent. You said exactly the right thing is the consistency is what we were lacking is we weren't getting back proper parts and we'd have to scrap a lot of stuff half the time. So bringing this in-house, it's also helped grow a lot more jobs we brought in a lot more people and those are all really good things and correct me if i'm wrong every caliper gets anodized before it gets powder coated yeah so our race calipers when you buy a full-blown race caliper it's hard anodized finish and it has a racing logo on it it says willwood racing what's crazy is your calipers on your t on your trx went through the same process so they have the foundation of the racing. Lightning, turn around. He's calipers. lifting them out of tank one, and I'm assuming gonna drop this entire jig into tank two. What is that, 30 calipers or something like that? Halves? It's like, yeah, yeah, 30 calipers. Ooh, it just gets a dip. So yeah, your, your street calipers have gone through the same rigors as all of our race stuff. It's just that we've added the black powder coat to them. Now, is this uh, Perrier or is that Fuji? Water, um, no sparkling, I, or still. You, you want me to put a little in a cup for you? <laughs> no, I don't think I should drink that. Yeah, yeah right, right after the alkaline cleaner tank. pH no. is uh, six through uh, nine. Uh, hazard for ingestion, so maybe that's not great for you. No, I think it. I 
I think it'd be bad for us, but it'd be okay for Jay. It'd be all right. <laughs> now this one has got parts in it. Oh, it's bubbling. Oh, it looks wait, like wait, a jacuzzi. Don't, don't, well, don't skip the acid etch. This tank five, the sulfuric acid, that's the one that's putting, it's um, uh, charged and it's adding the anodizing to the surface and inside of the core of the part. So what is anodizing? It's really a protective coating. And it's the way that we do it, which is type three, it's super, super hard. So it builds a really good, strong barrier for safe piston wear. So it's an electrochemical process. Correct. Hey Jay, this one looks just like a jacuzzi. You should hop in and... Uh... No, that's the one that says sulfuric acid. I'm oh. not going in that one. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> My, yeah. my bad. After it's anodized, it goes through a couple more baths where it cleans apart, and then you can hear them in the background. They're they're getting all of the water from the last bath off of them before they go get dried. All right, he's picking it up out of the acid etch. So then you can put more than one jig in a tub at a time. So it went from the acid etch, and he dipped it just for a moment into the uh, rinse. It's interesting that some of them uh, are aerated, they're bubbling like a cauldron, and then others are still. I'm not asking you for a reason, I just find it interesting. <laughs> so he's got a crane, what would, you, what would you call that? Gantry, right? He's yep. got a gantry with a couple electric motors that pick up these things, and he doesn't oh, have- Oh, look at that. Oh, there's the hard anno. Yeah, that Let's go see awesome. it, come on, go over there. So those are, uh, they went from tank seven, which is the water rinse, into tank eight, which is another water rinse, but that hard anno is awesome. These are uh, like a, a smoky gray color. And this is pretty amazing. I can see, you know, you guys have a lot of scrubbers and piping and all the stuff that goes along with manufacturing. How cool is it to have an owner that is willing to invest in this type of, not only manufacturing, but also coatings right here in California and then give the customer a way better product than what you were getting from suppliers. That to me, that's, that is such a next level step up in manufacturing to have that control as your own business. It's just wild to me. The thing that I really like about it is the education. Explaining to somebody why we do what we do to our parts, which turns into basically a sale. Like, oh, you guys do that. Oh, and you do it in-house. Oh, and you do it in the U.S. Oh, and you do it in California. Oh, and you do it yourselves. All those things are important. So it becomes a lot of pride where when we're on the phone talking to a customer at an event, we're at SEMA and PRI, and people walk in, and I've had my hands on all this stuff. It's not like it came out of a box, and I put it in our box, and we sold it. It's like we made this. Yeah, I, we saw the bar stock that it started as. Yeah. And so it's widgets on the other side. It's crazy. So Incredibly coated widgets. Super cool things about working at Willwood. So now they've been anodized and we're walking into the e-coat area, which is another set of- oh, he's doing it right now. These, these vats. Yeah, so we've got an e-coat line, which is that black coating you see on a lot of our parts. We've got one line that's just for steel components. So right now he's doing rotors. The other line is for doing brackets and anything aluminum. So once these go through this stage, and E-Coats, so if people don't know, when you buy a fender from Ford for your pickup truck, and it comes with that black primer, that's E-Coat, yep. okay? We're doing that to our components, but yeah, we're doing it in paint. It's not paint. So it's again, an electrostatic process. Yep. It's different than powder coat though. 
and it pr uh, protects against corrosion. The nice thing about E-Coat is you can get the coating in all the nooks and crannies that you might not be able to get powder or other processes in there. Well, even with, with uh, zinc plate, a lot of times you have to agitate the parts so badly to get all the zinc onto it. With this, you don't. So you can see what he's doing right now, Jay. He just dropped it into the tank and the light just turned on. So it's electronically charging the paint, which is water-based, onto the part. And you can paint or powder coat over E-Coat. All day long. So you basically have a, a anodizing, E-Coat, and powder coat, or any mixture of those that you can do depending on what the part's use case is. Yep, exactly. And unlike powder coating in this case, it's getting everywhere. All uh, everywhere. So another thing you see, these haven't been put into the, into the heater yet, or into the oven. So they have kind of like a, kind of a, a grayish. A a little bit. But when they come out, they look like those rotors over there. Oh, beautiful. Kind of a very beautiful, even satin sheen. Absolutely. It, it almost like brings out. You can see the splotchiness on these ones that are yeah. fresh out of the tank. Oh, he's about to pick up a set out of the tank. Oh, I'm going to come over here. These were just regular steel color just a moment ago. All right, I'm going to wait oh. for him to pull it out here. We're waiting for the yellow light to turn off. Just like that, Look at that. they're black. Wow. That is crazy. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, it looks a little booty at first, right? <laughs> it looks a little booty. And then he dipped it again. I mean, it, it's still not looking good, right? And even after it gets all the way to this gray wash over here, it's still not looking great, but holy cow, once yep. it goes into the oven and it comes out, it looks so fire. Awesome. Let's go take a look at these brackets or spindles or whatever they are over here. Looks like, uh, oh, I see hubs. Spin, yeah, hubs. And, yep. Brackets, rotors. Look at how much better that is. Say it again. Look at how much better those rotors look. That's from the same batch, but these are just out of the oven. And you can see that it just like flattens everything out. It's almost like painting a car in the winter. And then you have to turn the heater on for it to kind of like flatten out, right? Whereas when you're painting a car in the summertime, I mean, as it lays, it's flat, right? It's kind of the same principle. It almost flattens everything out and makes it uniform. And then it looks like we're headed to the very last stage in the process, which would be logo up, adding. Yeah. Applying the Willwood logo. So I always thought the Willwood logo was either powder coated or painted on there, but it's not. Not all of them. So okay. half of the calipers are screen printed. Okay. And about half of the calipers are gonna be laser etched. It depends on the caliper and where it's sold to. Got it. So oh, for, watch, you just missed it. It literally just lasered the logo right on that part. Oh, that was awesome. We've got lasers that will go through powder coat and through the hard anno into the aluminum. Hey, so, watch, 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 he's doing it. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, it's like a magnifying glass burning ants. That is so cool, it's burning in the Willwood logo. It's gonna make two passes. W all the way to the D and then back again. That is cool. All right, Homa just handed the mic over so he could go record uh, the laser engraving on video. So we'll post this. So now that we've got, say, a finished caliper that's been um, hard anodized, powder coated, laser engraved, or screen printed for the logo, they typically will either go straight to assembly or they'll go back on the shelf. Then we pick them to build the job to assemble them. So what we'll do is we'll bring you guys to the second building in the second building. So it's building three is what we call it. 
We'll take you over to building three right now, which is attached by these cool little corridors. Oh yeah, look at those bad boys right there. Come around to the other side, you can see how... So this caliper, what they're doing is they're assembling the calipers, but every single component is checked before it leaves. So if it can hold air, which is how we check them, it's put into a machine that we've designed to hold a certain amount of PSI of air for a certain amount of time. That's a whole lot of bright red calipers. That is uh, pretty awesome. So you can see oh, you the hear gauge. It. He's watching the screen and it's gonna give him a pass or a fail on the caliper in a minute. We do this with all the master cylinders, all the calipers, and then even our electric parking brake calipers. We put them into a device that checks polarity, clamping force, how fast the clamping is actuated, and how fast it retracts. So there's a lot of tests before we ship parts. So that ensures that every uh, customer gets a quality product. Passar passes. I'll take that one, please. No, you, you have already it. have no. some. Oh, damn it. You don't get more. Hmm, that looks like uh, Jeep 392 red right there. Uh, I'm going to say there are hundreds. 500 <laughs> calipers. Remember the caliper I said we make 250 in one eight-hour shift with yep. one guy on one machine? Here they are. That's the caliper. It looks like dominoes. I feel like if I touched one, they'd all just fall off the bench. Remember earlier today, we were having lunch, and you asked me, Jay, what's our biggest selling brake kit or part number? And I told you what it was, right? He it doesn't remember the, though. For the Ford 9-inch. Yeah, it's for a new style Ford two and a half inch offset pickup truck rear end, or a nine inch. So it goes in a lot of truck stuff too. But this is the part number that goes in red on every one of those kits. Awesome. And it's our biggest selling kit. So you can see how many of those kits we're selling, right? And he's putting all of the O-rings in by hand. There's a, there's a lot of hand assembly here. Oh, and a lot of uh, QC. Oh, absolutely. And like I said, everything's going to get checked on the machine once they're assembled. What an operation. Wait, there's more building this way? What? There's like nooks and crannies of Willwood production everywhere I go. So this is all basically like nut and bolt assembly. Um, after a lot of product is done like rotors, these guys, they package them up. This is just finished goods in wow. the third warehouse. Where's the ARC? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it aisle three, aisle four? So they're considering this the third warehouse. All right, I want to show you something. A friend of mine owns a uh, off-road shop, and he just texted me and said, Hey, do you got a minute? And I said, I'm actually at Willwood right now. And he goes, Oh. I heard they might have a TRX caliper. Do you know anything about it? So I sent them, him a picture. No, you there, didn't. A picture of Jay's truck. And oh. what does he say? Then he sends me a picture of his customer's truck. He says, 20-inch wheels, so there should be plenty of caliper clearance. So we just sold our first uh, uh, TRX kit for you right nice. now. We're not even out of here. Round of applause. We're not go. even out of the building. And I've already gotten you guys sold on a, on a customer for my buddy who owns a shop who said we were, we're looking for a brake kit for this truck. I told you. It's kismet. You're, you're not going to ask us for a job, are you, Jay? No. <laughs> no. He already has one owner. <laughs> Too true. You know what's funny is we walked by... And, and Lightning immediately looks into the lunchroom as we go by. Because <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> I thought they He's, might have a beer dispenser. Here's the thing about, about uh, vending machines. So we made a loop through the third building. Now we're going back into the second building. Now, this is, this is similar to a lot of people see. There's a lot that goes into uh, running a business like this. Uh, yeah. 
And then we've got a whole room where we've got a team of people that are just taping off calipers. They're not working right now, but they're just taping off calipers to be powder coated. That's all they do in this room. And you'll see these are new like powder coat booths and ovens. So we can get to the point where they can mask here, powder here, oven here, and you know, so keep expanding. When we place an order at the other building in our sales staff or our outside reps, we have about nine of them. It digitally gets sent to Willwood. We inspect the order, then it gets shipped over to our picking team. Now our picking team is in the, the inventory and they're taking that order and going to the location. Yeah, BBC 20C. And then they're picking, this is just calipers by the way, just calipers. And these, these are the slower moving calipers. These are all brackets. These are calipers where it's like a customer might order four a month. The calipers that they're picking like a hundred in one order, like this order over here. The fast movers. That's over here. Cause that's closer to the picking area. How many applications does Willwood cover? Excuse? Oh, it's, it's gotta be 3000. Wow. <laughs> Here's the million dollar question. You make a lot of stuff in here, but do you make beer? No, but I know a place that does that's really close and I think we should leave. Because much like those parts over there, I'm finished. And out. <laughs> All right, Holman, are you okay if we tackle some frontier spotting email? Uh, let's do it quick. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. All right, uh, you have the email. I don't. So I'm, I'm just going to run through. I'm just going to run through. You're going to do a, uh, what do you call it when you go really fast? The uh, lightning round? <laughs> Holman's going to do a lightning round? Without lightning? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. Uh, it's, yeah. How about uh, this one from Jeremy McDaniel that says, Nissan bees. <laughs> if you can figure out what that is. Uh, lightning better still be doing this. Ha, ha, ha. And he sends a picture of a uh, brand new white Frontier Pro 4X. Got this one from uh, Troy Plasky. Says, uh, Hi, this is Troy Plasky. And then here's his address in Arizona. The top picture is a frontier just down the street from where I live. I took the picture from my frontier. The second is my frontier. The wife lent her car to a friend for the day, so I was driving my 2018 JKU that is usually a recreational-only vehicle. We work close to each other but get done at very different times, so we usually follow each other into work. My frontier is the one I rode in about when I first got it about a year and a half ago. I have 25,000 miles on it. I still love it. I get about 22 miles per gallon. I love the power and torque of the motor. It rides nice and tight like a truck should, but without harshness. I'm very thankful for your reviews and endorsement when I made the decision to buy it. I love all that you guys do, and it makes me drive to and from work fly by. Thank you. And Nissan is cool. True dat. Thank you, Troy. Got this one from uh, Justin Cox uh, from Chico, California. It says, hello, Lighting and Holman. Awesome to hear my last name read on the podcast. Sorry for all the typos. Here is a picture of a new Frontier while driving in my 2019 Frontier work truck on the way to work. It was a grandpa truck with the extra bed tie-down hooks, even with the bed rails. I'd love a sticker. You can have one. I'll send you one. I, uh, I have more. How about from our friend Mike Boyle? Well, I see one every day traveling home from work. Trying to get a picture of it is proven impossible, seeing as we both are traveling 60 miles an hour in opposite directions. That's consistent when you see the same. I remember when I used to work in Los Angeles, I would see the same people every day on the freeway. It was like my group. Yeah. Like you start recognizing cars and stuff. Yeah, and I've, got a, I've got a uh, white Frontier that I pass almost every day. Yeah, and you're like, I know you. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't have noticed it if it weren't for Frontier spotting. Actually, that's not true. He passes me. He's in the carpool lane. Oh, yeah. there you go. 
I had to make a delivery for work yesterday and decided to cheat while I was at the local dealer. Here's my submission for Frontier Spotting. Taken from one of the store's Tacomas. Keep up the good work. Five stars. Yeah, buddy. Five star review. Five stars. And that's our buddy Mike from uh, Montrose, Colorado. Yeah, buddy. Got this one from uh, David Green. Says, uh, not quite from my vehicle. I went to a local home show here in Rapid City, South Dakota. Wife parked next to this beauty. And it's uh, that kind of grayish blue color. Like, I think that's boulder gray. Yeah. And uh, that's, uh, he says, hopefully I can uh, still get a TSP sticker out of it. If so, great. And that's uh, David Green from Rapid City, South Dakota. We'll uh, bend the rules for our our SD fans. Yeah, we need more stickers up there. How about this one uh, from Michael St. Jean says, hey, Lighting and Holman, first off, just wanted to tell you that I'm a huge fan of the show. I never miss an episode. Definitely. Thank you. Five stars. Five star review. Five stars. I'm a longtime Ford truck owner, but switched to a Ram 2500 last September, and I'm loving it. I really enjoy hearing about the upgrades that you do to the TRX and the Jeep 392. The attached photo is of a new Frontier that was taken in Aurora, Colorado, not far from my home. I've seen quite a few of them around, but this is the first time I was in a good spot to take a photo. Appreciate it if you'd send me a couple of Truck Show podcast stickers and keep mounting those parameters. Mounted and that's Mike St. Jean from Bennett, Colorado. Man, we're getting all over Where the place. Is, where's Bennett? Uh, outside of Denver? Boulder. Boulder. I think, yeah. Hmm. That's what we said. I guess everything's outside of Denver. Yeah, I right? mean, if it were inside Denver, it'd be Denver. <laughs> you, is this your first rodeo? Uh-huh. Are you? All right. Uh, Chuck Davis says, uh, thanks for the stickers. Added at least three horsepower to my Suzuki. It's noticeable on a Samurai. Says, uh, my Samurai is a 1987 with a 1.3 liter Weber carb, mini spool in the rear, 513 gear, spring over in 33s, custom front winch bumper that doubles as a snowplow mount. I'm too frugal to buy a side-by-side. It isn't a Jeep, so I call it the cheap. That's awesome. <laughs> you're, you're joking about the sticker being aerodynamic. Yeah. Have you seen the, the new Aston Martin Valkyrie? Yes. So it's the supercar, right? Yes. Every Aston Martin badge on the nose of the car has always been, according to this video I saw, metal. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, we can't put a metal badge on this because it will disrupt the laminar airflow mm. of the nose of the car. So you know what they did? Mm. They made the world's thinnest metal badge. Mm. It's like a few microns thick. You can't hold it unless it's frozen. Otherwise, it will curl up. Mm. And so they put it under the clear coat, and oh. it's metal. So they all That's felt cool. good. They're like, yeah, well, it's metal. Still, still metal. Uh, anyway, uh, Chuck says, keep those uh, parameters mounted. All right, got uh, another one here from uh, TJ Spur from Massachusetts. Love TJ. Massachusetts, uh, check it in. He says, I've been listening for years now, and you're my favorite podcast. I'm a diehard GM guy. I have a 162500 HD LTZ and 05 Yukon XL Denali. I enclosed a pick of a Nissan that I came up on in Pembroke, Massachusetts. Love the show. Thanks, TJ Spur. And he's from uh, Hanson, Massachusetts. So that's kind of cool to, uh, to know that we got some people on the East Coast. Appreciate that, TJ. It's funny. I don't know TJ, but thank you. You were just saying that just because? Just Yeah, he's my boy. All right, got one, got one more here from uh, Sean Gerard. says, hey, guys, I'm here in mid-Michigan and finally spotted a new frontier. Took this picture in my launch edition JT. I also spotted this sweet ridgeline while in Puerto Rico on vacation this past week. When they look like this, I would consider it a truck. Otherwise, it's a waste of space. And it was a... Uh, a lifted ridgeline on like this place blows. 32s or 33s with a winch or with a push bar, a bull bar bumper, and a light bar on it, which is that's kind of cool. Wow. Um, <laughs> I'm planning that trip out west next spring for a three week overlanding adventure for the first time ever. And Sean, I would love to hear more about your gear in the 392 
and some other tips and tricks for overlanding. Ooh, that's a good one. Like, what kind of stuff should you be bringing? I like that. To be bringing... When you're overlanding, to be self-sufficient. What do I carry in my gear loadout? Yeah. If you want to disappear into the desert for or the woods or whatever for a week, what do you have? Holy crap. You just reminded me, our buddy Chopper over at Decked gave me the world's greatest tool bag. Holy crap. Well, we talked about it on the air, but we, you actually went out and used it? No. No, I'm saying I, we need to detail it. We need to unfurl it right here on the countertop, and we need to talk through it because... It's freaking epic. It was made for them by Boxo, yep. which I'm not really... I mean, we've all seen Boxo ads on our Facebook feeds because they're really good at advertising, but I've never owned any. No, they make good, good and tools. I'm I telling it's a you, South Korean company, uh, and they make it for a bunch of racers and stuff like well, that. Well, I'm telling you, they did their homework on this tool bag. Holy crap. Did I and tell you I replicated that and then added um, standard tools to it? Oh, that's smart. But I'm telling you, for a buy it, get it, yep. open it, use it, Pretty it nice. is... Freaking awesome and deck. So thank you very much, by the way, to Chopper for for making that happen. But we do have to unfurl it and talk through it because that'll give us a good basis for the tools you should bring, in my opinion. All right. Uh, anyway, just want to say thank you to Sean Gerard from Freeland, uh, Michigan. So uh, anyway, we've got a gazillion more. We're just going to slowly work through these. If we haven't mentioned you yet, uh, you may get the sticker before you get the mention on the air. But we're going to try and get through all of them. So, uh, Oh, and one last one here from Wade Goldsmith, just because I love what he wrote. The stickers are real! Exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> he says, thank you so much for the stickers. I placed one on my toolbox. The other one I'm thinking I need to put some uh, someplace so it's seen by everyone. My 04 Rubicon, my 05 Duramax, my 19 Kenworth, or maybe just a new Frontier. I have been considering a Pro 4X. Oh, and this coming in a Banks envelope made my wife ask, what did you buy? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Wade, uh, we appreciate you listening to the show. As always, we love all you guys. We appreciate all you guys. Uh, send us uh, your pictures of uh, Frontier Spotting out on the road, and uh, we will send you some stickers. Oh, come on and be part of the show. Call the five-star hotline. 657-205-6105. It's the five-star hotline. Hotline. Sean and Jay, yes, using first names. I've got to call you because you guys are bashing on my technician. Listening to the episode where you're talking to Nick from Bud Diesel and you guys are ranting and raving how techs aren't techs and how they are just part replacers, but there may be a little bit more to it than you guys realize. Uh, coming from a, a career in dealerships and oftentimes, especially for warranties, technicians are limited in the scope. I feel like we we need to pause and say that it, he's calling from a dealership in case you didn't get that. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I think they got it. Okay, I'm just making sure. Or they can do. If there's not a demonstrable failure, they are not able to replace parts just because they're known to go bad. Uh, so if you're doing uh, a common failure point, like you were talking about EGR failures, and there is no demonstrable failure to an oil cooler, they cannot just replace them just because they're nearby and charge warranty. Now, you may be able to upsell a customer the replacement, but oftentimes customers are expecting a warrantable repair to be no charge, and why would I want to pay for something that's supposed to be warranty? Um, so there is some limitations that the systems are placing on technicians and, uh, and uh, not necessarily just bad technicians. Now, that's not to say that there aren't a few out there that uh, shouldn't be in the industry, but overall, these guys that are working on these vehicles day in, day out of the dealerships, Real quick, uh, I came from dealership life, 
And I still have my vehicle serviced at dealerships because I don't have time to do it. And I like having service records. And I have a great relationship with my dealer. By no means was I saying all dealerships are bad and all techs are bad. I know some very good dealership techs. Uh, but it seems like there are more <clears throat> parts replacers out there than technicians. There are some old school guys and some younger guys who really want to learn the trade. But there's also still a lot of kind of um, low-hanging fruit guys that are just going to go through the manual step-by-step step without, you know, which is those tools are provided, but sometimes you have to think outside the box a little bit. Well, you've got guys who really enjoy problem solving. Yeah. Right? You have those guys, which is the kind of guy that he's talking about. Yeah, here, absolutely. Right? They're like, I really want to figure out what this issue is, not just for the yeah. customer, but for me. I want to know, right? Mm-hmm. And they get to the root of the problem yep. and they go, maybe it's not the EGR. Maybe it's yeah. some other, right? It's a solenoid or something like that, right? Those are our guys. Yeah, and that, I don't, that's I just, who we love. But I want to make sure we weren't coming off as bashing all dealers. No. Because, I, again, I've uh, got so friends of dealer. I have my vehicle's dealership serviced. I just I, did too. Yeah. Right, so. exactly. So we're both on the same page. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't hate the dealer. In fact, there are people who, if they don't have a, a reliable, quality, independent shop nearby, I get DMs all the time. Hey, I don't really have a shop. Is it okay to take my vehicle to the dealer? I honestly, having worked in many dealers... There are a few bad apples out there that will charge for no reason, and but that's anywhere, right? I think dealerships are actually held to a higher standard than a lot of independent shops because of the controls, corp, you know, the corporation puts on them for customer service. So and, I would say not just that, dude. Like, let's talk about Yelp, just for a second. Oh, that too. I mean, if you go on and you're thinking about you move to to uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee, yeah. and you're like. I need to get my RAM worked on. Yeah. And you open up and find out that Dave Smith, in I don't know, let's assume there's a Dave Smith RAM dealer down there, and it's got like two stars, you yeah. go, oh. And maybe not that one. Right. So, yeah, they live and die by a lot yeah. of these reviews. And as soon as you get, dude, I well, moved down Huntington Beach well, RAM, well, and they, they yeah. immediately start texting me going, can I have a review? Can I have a review? If I had blasted them with a, with a two-star review... I'm sure would have gotten a call and they were like, what happened? Like, why yeah, are two sure. stars, right? So Because they need the stars from corporate to get the incentives that they have, and right? They, right? So there's certain standards that they're held to. So again, by no means am I saying that all dealerships are bad or all dealership techs are bad. I'm sorry if we came off that way because uh, that wasn't the intention. But what we were trying to you know impress upon is that there are a lot of great independent shops that have old school People that are actual mechanics, especially the ones that specialize in the field and they have a, a, a feeling for seeing certain things. And to his point on this voicemail, there are limitations on diagnostics and what you can charge you know, back to work. And, and there's it. time limitations. Sure. And that's, I think, when you're talking about parts replacers. And this is what I think I feel this way is that they have to get a vehicle in and out as fast as they can. And they don't have time to diagnose. If they say, I think it's a bad EGR and they can and they can do it for warranty or not, whatever. They just do it. Just replace it. Just move on. Next one. Is the customer happy? And if the answer is yes, then they just blast through it. Overall, these guys that are working on these vehicles day in, day out of the dealerships are extremely smart, talented individuals that are there to do heavy diagnosis and not just part replacement. So I'm going to stick up for my, my technician friends a little bit. And, uh, and uh, as always, keep up the good show, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, much love from Sean in Vegas. Thanks so much. So here's the deal. Thanks for keeping us honest. What up, you guys? It's Marshall over in Colorado. Uh, just wanted to touch base with you guys because I sent the 3D prints out to you guys and uh, completely spaced on uh, leaving you guys a little note in there. Uh, Cybertruck. Lightning finally got his Cybertruck. <laughs> you guys can stop bitching about it. Finally got a Cybertruck. Didn't say it had to work, though. Uh, and then Lightning or Holman, of course, you got uh, 
you're the king, the king dingling. So I had to make you a golden. <laughs> All right. So this goes <laughs> he back to you a king dingling. Thank you. So uh, this goes back to Marshall sent us a care package, and it was a th- awesome, uh, pretty big scale. I mean, it's got to be you know ten inches long and you know three or four inches tall um, scale Cybertruck, three D printed, and then also a big, uh, <clears throat> shall we say. Uh, just the tip wearing a crown that actually fits in the bed of Cybertruck, but there was no note in there, and we were like, this is funny and awesome, but why? And so but why is there a wiener with a crown and a Cybertruck in a box? It's not a wiener. What is it, it? I just told you. It is a wiener. It's just the tip with the crown. Uh, wiener. Anyways, you guys, sorry. It's, uh, <laughs> he just called it a wiener, dude. <laughs> I did. I just had twins a couple weeks ago. Congrats, and, dude. Uh, adjusting to life with twins. Anyways, you guys have a good one. We'll talk to you later. Keep those parameters mounted. I'm out. Mounted, monitor, key, engine, parameters. Hey, Marshall, thanks for sending us that. Um, if you need help, blink twice if you need to get out of the house. The mm. Truck Show Podcast will be happy to give you an excuse if you need to get away because twins are no joke. By the way, if you're wondering how you can get on the five-star hotline, it is 657 657- 205-6105. Call anytime. Hey, Lightning Holman. I am uh, still catching up and listening to new episodes. I was in the 40s episode, um, and you were talking about <clears throat> your issue with towing on the bridge um, with that trailer with not enough tongue weight. And it- so this goes back to uh, Lightning's uh, death-defying story of towing a trailer over a bridge with too much tongue weight where the steering got light and he thought the truck was going to blow off the bridge. It was one of those bridges that ha- it was... Yeah, uh, the grates in the... Yeah, grates was yeah. perforated, so the wind was coming up <laughs> through the bridge. Reminded me of when I was working for a uh, property management company and they were having me haul junk out of houses and stuff and they told me, hey, grab the trailer, go to this property. And for whatever reason, they were the truck they had to tow was a... 90s Tacoma with a shell on the back and a bunch of junk in the bed already. And then we were towing like dump trailers with, or like dump trailers that didn't dump. You just had to hand unload them. And so I grabbed the trailer he wants. I tell him, hey, it's full already. He's like, oh crap, take it to the dump. So I get it on the highway, <clears throat> get up to about uh, 50, 55. There's a semi passing me and the trailer starts swaying. And so I kind of oh, slowed no. down slash sped up to control the sway, get into a set where the highway has concrete walls on both sides. Sway hits again to the point that I ended up sideways in the oh. intersection on like morning traffic through town, um, ended up blocking the exit lane and the slow lane and was very lucky to not get hit or T-boned by anyone on the freeway. And luckily a pickup truck in the fast lane stopped so I could turn and get off the freeway jump in the trailer there was like a load of deck material in the middle and then concrete all the way at the end there was no tongue weight and so i like just was pissed and so i throwing all the concrete to the front of the trailer all the tires were low so it was just like a lesson to me as a young young younger guy to like just check your load check your tires check what you're doing because i could have could have been way worse anyway love the podcast and uh keep up the good work Awesome. Thanks, mystery listener. And the uh, the moral of the story is... We need a tow soap. Nope. Check your load. I heard it, but I left it alone. <laughs> What's up, Lightning Holman? 
Colby here again. Uh, you know, I haven't even made it to the intro song yet on this episode, but you guys are asking for poop zen stories. And while I would never <laughs> refer to my story as being poop zen, uh, I do have a truck stop poop story. When I was in high school, I was with my friend, <clears throat> and we were headed all the, traveling all the way down through Utah uh, to end up in uh, Lake Mead. And down somewhere in the Beaver, Fillmore area of Utah, I don't know exactly where it was. It was late at night, dark. I had to, as I put it, drop the kids off somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so I'm telling my buddy's dad who's driving the truck, like, hey, man, you, you've got to stop at the next exit. And it's that, you know, area where there's an exit and then it's 10, 15 miles where there's another exit. I'm like, hey, you've got to stop at the next exit. And him thinking he's funny he just blows right past the next exit, <laughs> just laughing. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I am going to restain your seats back here. <laughs> You've got to pull over. So we get off at the next exit, and it's this little tiny podunk gas station. And I go running inside, and the men's room, it, it's one of those that where there's only one, one toilet, you know, one stall uh, for the men, one little room for the women. That's what we call a one-holer. Oh, well, that sounds so gross. <laughs> the men's room is locked. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So I run into the women's room. There's no no ladies there, so I'm like, screw it, whatever. I'm going in. Go in, and as Lightning puts it, re-spackle the walls in there. <laughs> I get done. I wash my hands, and I'm you know, wiping the sweat off of my brow. Go to walk out, and there is a line, if I'm not kidding you, five women waiting to go into this restroom. I looked him dead in the eyes, said, I'd give it a minute, ladies, and walked out. Have a good one, guys. Yes. Uh, well told. That's a great story, man. Um, I'm telling you, that is just awful. Colby, like, I, I was there. Dude, you were, you're sweating. And yeah. at some point, can you tell me why this is biologically, mm. uh, Holman? When you have to go number two so mm-hmm. bad, why does it feel like you have to barf? It doesn't. That's yeah, it does to, to not, me. No, not me. That, oh, I get sick like no. it's going to come through it, it my It feels like my, tr- my torso wants to rip off at my belly button and leave my body. The whole thing. I'm no stranger to using the ladies' room when, when it's an emergency. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you, I may have been leading a group of people at a uh, certain desert museum where uh, there were no uh, toilets open, and I couldn't wait any longer. And I may have used the, uh, there's no ladies, the museum uh, restroom, and uh Apparently, I sat on the mic when I got back into the truck, and it was a certain um, uh, museum for a certain general who was was popular. Yeah, Patton. And I sat on the mic, and I said, wow, good thing everybody was gone, because I committed some war crimes in there. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, that went out to everybody in the group and uh, had people looking at me like this, either laughing or like, (laughs) oh, cut it off. Yeah, open mic, stop talking. (laughs) Hey, guys, it's Rich and Hollister. Miss you guys. Hope you're well. Um, just want to let you know, I'm gonna. I was looking up some uh, tickets for some local bands. Maybe see if you guys want to to uh, join me. Um, there's a band called Colon Blow that will be opening up the troupe. So uh, let me know. I get some tickets for Colon Blow. <laughs> Does he know that Colon Blow was a fake serial on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> Which is funny. Yeah, I I see what he did there though, because we're always saying band names. Yeah, I, so I got Col- you, Rich. Colon Blow on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. they were equaling it to the the amount of uh, the number of uh, solid yes. brand boxes. Yes. They're like uh, this equals uh, thirty four boxes of your and, favorite brand. And if you've never seen new Colon Blow, <laughs> and if you've never seen a Flatu Sense. 
Oh, uh, that's really? a that's a great one on Saturday Night Live, uh, and then the other one uh, you should all see is Sweaty Balls. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's when Saturday Night Live used to be good. So yeah. those are the, those are the classics. I remember those, those are the classics. Six five seven two zero five sixty one zero five is the five star hotline. Six five seven. 205 6105. Five star. Five star. Five star. Hotline. It's been a minute since we've talked about our events page at truckshowpodcast.com, and so we'll do it now. Where is that? I've got four big tires and some beadlock wheels. I've got four big tires and some beadlock wheels. Like how he uh, holds out that wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. All right, uh, we've got uh, quite a few events this month uh, in May. Yeah, well, hold on. This is truckshowpodcast.com. Click on events at the top of the page. All right, uh, May 7th, we got C10 Palooza 6. And uh, C10 Vintage All Ages. It's from uh, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Stanislaw County Fairgrounds. And you can head over to uh, our page, truckshowpodcast.com. Again, like Lightning said, hit events, and then you can get all the details. Uh, uh, I've got there. all the buttons in there. So if you click yep. the button, it takes you right to the tickets or registration pages. Uh, May 12th and 13th, that would be the C10 uh, Nats in Texas. Uh, lifted, lowered, vintage, all ages, and Chevy. Uh, Texas Motor Speedway. So uh, you'll want to uh, check that out if you're in uh, Texas. May 15th through 20th, uh, Florida Jeep Jam, and that's in Panama City Beach. All right, and then the uh, last one we have for May is May 26th through 29th, and that's Wheeling for Warriors, and uh, that's at the Field and Forest Recreation Area in Harrisville, New Hampshire. So uh, if you guys have events, please shoot them to truckshowpodcast at gmail.com or holman at truckshowpodcast.com or lightning at truckshowpodcast.com, and we will get it on our events page. doesn't cost you anything. We just want to make sure that everybody in the truck community is able to share their events. doesn't matter if it's a small, first year, big, no, little. And we love charity lifted, events. There's, there's lowered, all kinds of really yeah. cool charity events all around the country. If you guys are 5, 10, 100, 100 trucks, Jeeps, whatever, yeah. getting together, let us know. Even if it's, by the way, if it's a recurring meet like you guys do it like we'll Astro, put it on the calendar. Astro Burger every Tuesday yeah. night. We'll add it because yep. I mean I, we just want to share the truck love. Exactly. We we want to want to make sure the community gets out there. This is our, our part giving back to you guys. So if you guys have emailed us and it hasn't made it to our events page, just shoot us another email uh, because it may have gotten lost in the shuffle. Lightning and I, uh, I get a fair amount of emails during the week, and every once in a while we may miss something. Send us your events. We will talk about it on the show, and we will help you promote Truck Show Podcast at gmail.com. The Truck Show, The Truck Show, The Truck Show, He is at LBC Lighting, I'm at Sean P. Holden, and we are at Truck Show Podcast, so you can hit us up on the socials, give us a follow, uh, DM Lightning if you uh, want to get some uh, Spanksy Banksy parts. Oh, dude, I hooked up uh, Ray, RB. Oh, yeah. I went, so, oh, I, I think there's an email from him uh, yeah, at some point. Yeah, dude, I totally should have read that. Yeah, I hooked him up with... Um, a couple of pedal monsters with iDash data monsters. Next show. We'll write it down. Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll talk about RB. 18 RB Ray. You know about my my next show, he might have installed them, so we maybe we can get a review. Yeah. Maybe. Ray, if you uh, get those new parts on, just shoot us another email and we'll, uh, we'll read it on the air. And, of course, you guys can uh, leave us a message at the five-star hotline, 657-205-6105. We want to hear from you. Hey, even if it's a keep us honest, if it's something stupid we said, we need to be corrected. If it's... Something uh, you want to no, no, no. you want to brawl with no, us? Let's not, go. That's gonna overload our inbox. Nah, it's all good. I don't we, want them correcting everything we say. That's yeah, wrong. yeah, yeah. Because we can just not <laughs> air those ones. <laughs> good show, Lightning. Listen, we we talked about uh, our friends 
at, uh, at Onyx and Nissan and Bill Stein and, and we went to, We went to Willwood. We went to Willwood. We were talking about how all the new trucks make it so you can't do anything cool with them anymore. We Dude, talk- this was a jam-breaking pack Yeah, a lot show. of stuff in the show. If we, if, listen, how many podcasts deliver what we deliver? None! I'm telling you, Tell your seriously. friends about us. Like, Leave what, a review! You know say, what up, Rogan? <laughs> you know, you know what'd be funny is if we just start talking crap on Rogan, and he's like, "You guys got to come on the show." And then no, we're like, "Yeah, God forbid his <laughs> listeners bomb us." Oh my God, that would no, be no. Bad. Well, listen, we're fans. We, we, yeah, yeah, we, we. Like, I'm gonna back <laughs> up now. That's like, true. We've already we're been fans. I've already been totally on that road. Joking. We li- legitimately don't. No, come I was at just us. saying. Think of all the uh, notoriety we get. All the yeah. listen. We need to grow this thing, man. Five years in, come on, we want more listeners. Listen Tell your me. friends. L- look at the look at the Truck Show podcast sticker yeah. up there on your steer it. horns. Okay, yep. what it. do you notice at the bottom? Uh, QR code. Do you know what that QR code leads to? Us. Truckshowpodcast.com. The reason I did that is because you guys are standing around drinking a beer in your garage, and the Truck Show Podcast sticker is either on the back window of your truck or it's on your toolbox, right? And your buddy's like, hey, what's that? Is that, what, what's that? You go, it's Truck Show Podcast. You don't have to like... Go to the share button and share it. All. He's standing right there, dude. You take out his phone, you open his camera app, and you point it at the sticker. Dunzo. It opens up truckshowpodcast.com. I thought you opened up his pictures and uh, started showing all your friends. You you can do that, but, but after you well, share the link, got it. you subscribe him. Got it. I can't tell you how many times I've stood there with someone. They go, wait, what? The truck show? And I just take their phone out of yeah. their hands. Here, I look. open up their podcast app, whether it's Google Podcast yeah. or it's Spotify here, it's right here, whatever it is. Yeah, and I and I subscribe them, and I make sure the notifications are on. And then you also give a five star review. I do when I can, <laughs> but by that point they're freaking out that I, I have their I have phone. Their phone yeah. yeah. What are you? What? What? Stop all poking. You just long enough right. to subscribe, and that's all I got to do. Well, let's thank uh, our friends over at Nissan. They've uh, stuck with us for uh, many, many, many years, almost since the beginning. And uh, Nissan makes a great truck, whether it's the midsize Frontier, the uh, full size Titan, or the uh, plus size Titan XD. Uh, the Is Titan, that what it's called? Plus size. That's the XD. It's it's a little bit more than the regular <laughs> we're, Titan. We're plus size, and that's why I fit an XD quite nicely. Thank I you very see. much. And the Titan and the Titan XD have the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. You can find out all about Nissan's lineup of trucks at NissanUSA.com, or you can head on down to their local dealer. Uh, Nissan loves the Truck Show podcast, and you should love them back, too. What about our boys over at OnX, the world's greatest off-road mapping app? Uh, They've got a bunch of new features, including Route Builder, which is a new game-changing in-app feature that allows you to draw and plan up a trip, share it with your friends, and have it show up on all of your devices. You can draw a line that snaps trails with your mouse or your finger while it provides live feedback about paths that can connect you and uh, get you out to where you need to go. It's available to both premium and elite members. For more information, head over to onxoffroad.com, or you can download the Onyx app for Apple or Android phones. And if you've got a Ram or a Jeep 3-liter Eco Diesel, maybe a 6.6-liter Duramax, 6.7-liter Ford Power Stroke, and you want more power to tow the grade without having a downshift, and you want absolute security that this will not leave you stranded, get more power and reliability from a Derringer tuner. You'll find yours at bankspower.com. And finally, our friends over at Bilstein. Yes, they are our friends. They support the show. They make a hell of a great product. If your truck is suffering from leaky shocks or uh, blown-out dampers, Go to uh, BillsteinUS.com. You can get them for your off-road truck. You can get them for your stock truck. You can get them for your everyday truck. You can get them for your race truck. You can get them for your project. All different lengths and and anything from a direct stock replacement all the way up to a uh, multi-tube bypass shock. 
anything in between, from custom builds to direct replacement. Bilstein has you covered. They make a great monotube shock. Do they make the best monotube shock. They're the originators of the monotube shock. Yep, and so when the road runs out, Bilstein shocks will keep you going. Find yours at BilsteinUS.com. All right, well, he is Holman, and I am Juan Hernandez, 5523, signing off the Truck Show Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I guess I'll see you next week, Juan. Hasta la vista. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors. Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.